If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington and I'm joined by co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit Turner. Hello, Ben. And indeed, hello, everybody. How are you all doing? Only you can answer. Ben. That's all right. I just left a second for, for, for people to answer. A little bit of dead air. Never hurt anybody. Um, yeah, we're back. It's just the two of us this week after several weeks of having lovely guests yeah, which is always nice guests all the time and this is counter to your scheduled programming right we've done a little bit of a script flip this week because we were going to do tetsuo the iron man but guest availability yeah. has made us uh we're dynamic people though we can make change like this we can and i hope that you know if you're someone who who lets schedule rule their life which sometimes is good to do not great, but you know, sometimes it's good to do. Then I apologize for throwing this uh, spanner in the works and swapping over the episodes. But yeah, this week, what was the advertised episode uh, for the end of the month is now the last house on the left episode, which you'll know. If you listen to this podcast, you'll know the title of it, you know? That's what you do. Yeah. Unless you're just going blind, because that's crazy. Some crazy autoplay scenario going on here. But yeah, but Tetsuo the Iron Man will return in Tetsuo the Iron Man's episode next week. You may be listening to these podcasts uh, like really far into the future. So the actual order of these two podcasts, the next two episodes, this one and the next, will mean nothing to you. You could have corrected so, it if you'd wanted to, but I wanted to listen as the as the people intended. You could have. And apologies for just wasting just a couple of minutes of your life talking about, <laughs> probably not even a couple of minutes, talking about the order of the episodes. But yeah, you've got to do this admin up top. How's your week been, Ben? We can't get the admin in there. Uh, my week's been all right, you know. It's not been too... I say that. It's Monday. It's bloody Monday. Uh, so we're right at the top of the week. How's well, it's your, Monday's go. It's been all right. Can I also just point out, for anybody watching this on YouTube, it does look like you've got a chainsaw going through your head. 
Yeah, Terry Wogan's chainsawing me right now. <laughs> this backdrop here. Terry Wogan in wearing a lovely mustard coloured yeah, um, mustard, mustard beanie and a mustard turtleneck together. I think you could probably pull off a turtleneck. You've got the neck for it. Yeah, I reckon I could manage a turtleneck. I've got one, but not a mustard colour. It's a black, like a, like a French oh. philosopher. Are you like the milk? Tr- are you like the milk tray man? The milk tray man, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the milk tray man, also known as a home invader, similar to this film, right? Okay, these films involve. I mean, no, they were invited in vampire style. However, milk tray man is a home invader. I, I don't care about all that romance and leaving a lovely bottle, box of chocolates for you. He is entering your home unannounced and without permission to give you a chocolatey treat, and I feel like. That's you're, disrespectful. You're absolutely right. Then, by the letter of the law, um, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> what if you were lactose intolerant or a dog? That'd be yeah. That could what be dangerous. Were... However, what if you were a dog? You'd be ever so cross. Most you would be most cross. an intruder, and then because as a dog, they'll love to eat a chocolate, but very poisonous for some of them. Um, given the choice, though, I will clarify: if I had to have one of the people break into my house. Either the horrible Three Stooge murderers from this film, um, or the milk trayman who's going to leave some, milk some chocolate. Leave some chocolates, but but he old milk trayman. I'm trying to lose some weight here. Thanks for being a saboteur. Unless they'll just unless they'll turn on you. Maybe the moment the advert ends on a lovely high note, oh, a lovely box of chocolates. That's when he turns, becomes an evil murdering man. Yeah, whips out a magnum and you go, oh, an ice cream? No, the gun. Shoot you dead. <laughs> Not a gun, you see the calibre on this, blow your head clean off. <laughs> Talking about the Three Stooges, I did get Three Stooges vibes from these Last House Last House on the Left people. Also got Free From Hell vibes. It felt like the the Rob Zombie films must have taken a huge amount of influence from something like this. Yeah, a huge, a huge lift from it. But I mean, we'll come to some of the dissonance between the actions on screen and then the jovial sort of Smokey and the Bandit music that we get in these in these movies in a little bit, but um, bizarre. Yeah. So yeah, what we're gonna do is as we've done on several. I don't know if we're doing exactly the same as we've done previously. Unfortunately, I didn't hundred percent confirm. However, we're mainly gonna be talking about the Last House on the Left original. However, we are also gonna be dipping into the remake, the two thousand nine remake, um, as we see fit, and then probably talk a little bit about it. You know, in comparison to the original at the end. So it's not like Amityville a... style. Yeah, Amityville style. We did it on Amityville. We did it on My Bloody Valentine. And I think we kind of did it a bit on Firestarter as well, because there was a remake that arrived like pretty much exactly yeah. the same time as we were doing that episode. So efficient, efficient podcasting. That's what we're that's what we're all about here. Incredibly efficient. That is what we pride ourselves on. That being um, being said, Ben, should we roll straight into Bloody horror news. What you got for us this week? Bloody horror news. Uh, got some interesting, um, different type of news going down as well. Some about films. But listen to this. James Wan and Jason Blum are in talks to merge their companies into one mega horror powerhouse. Um, so obviously Blumhouse Productions and uh, Wan's Atomic Monster apparently are going to form a mega house of chills and frills over at Universal Pictures. What could they possibly call it? Atomic House Blum Monster. Neither of those have got much uh, ring to them. Ring to it. The Blumtomic Monster House. Much better. That's much better, Andy. See, that's why that's why you're here to provide 
that sort of fantastic portmanteau was... work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I kind of thought that these guys worked so closely together anyway that you know I couldn't tell you every movie that's Atomic Monster and every movie that's Blumhouse because I'm pretty sure James Wan's done Blumhouse stuff, right? And apparently they're already cons- considering a sequel to next year's movie Megan or M. Freegan. Freegan. <laughs> we laugh at the title, but I am going to have to watch it. I'm kind of into Mithrigan. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to watch it. And I'm pretty sure we're going to have to do a do an episode as well. I mean, I don't know how straight up horror it is because I'm pretty sure it's got a a sort of PG-13 rating I read. So. I'm pretty sure I already shot a message to friend of the show lucy and said you're gonna have to she's the i think she's the <laughs> definitive diminutive killer guest yeah we've After got a diminutive the... killer over here right unfortunately it's not the leprechaun it's uh it's someone pretending pretend to be an orphan what's her name lena clamor lena clamor yeah it's a little robot this time it's a little robot uh a little robot doing some doing some weird dancing so uh, yeah they have such a lovely chat with mithrigan herself um part of oh, their yeah. promotional material is they have a little ai Oh yeah. If you DM her, she'll send a few messages. I was asking her if she'd come on the show. Unfortunately, that wasn't one of the responses she was coded with. But we had a nice chat anyway. Will you come on the show? And she said, "What did she say?" She said, "Has anyone ever been mean to you on the internet?" And I said, <laughs> "Yeah, I've been on Twitter long, have you, Mithrigan?" So loads of them to fuck him up for you. And I was like, "Yeah, and then right." She just sent you sent you a gif of a dancer. Like she that. did send a gif of her like. Going out. Doing the creepy dancing. Yeah, doing also, the they're billing, billing this as like an evil dog come to life. That is a robot from like some really. Oh, this is ridiculous. Like, how much is that going to cost? Retail? What's the RRP? I'm going to, I'm looking forward to me probably getting on a contract like adding an iPad to your phone or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, can I, can I add a Mifrigan to my, to my, on, onto your plan? Yeah. Oh, um, I'm looking forward to, inevitable franchise um synergies when we get to see to be honest it's the, it's the meeting of worlds i can't wait to see annabelle creepy ghost doll the natural world the old school versus mithrigan technology robots versus, he's gonna win versus can chucky get involved in that yeah he, he brings he brings a bit of laughter to the to the scenario oh, chucky, sure. could, chucky could have like both versions because they could have spooky chucky original and yeah Mark Hamill, Robert Chucky. That could be like oh, the yeah. tag. What a tag team event! Yeah, two two young lady only, dolls versus a pair of Chuckies. If only there was a um. If only there was some movie making horror powerhouse coming together that could make this kind of event happen. These are the kind of things we want, James Wan and Jason Jason Blum. We don't want any new franchises or anything like that, or brand new films. We want to see. Uh, essentially freddy versus jason featuring as many horror hit big hitters as possible um and just start making those movies where it's like uh piranha versus mega shark yeah if you if you could i want you to escalate all these franchises i don't need to sit through three <laughs> three guns to get there i want that to be the immediate sequel yeah. just just escalate it straight like literally do one horror movie and introduce a new slash character part two space it's the year four thousand now. Let's get get on into with space. It. Get on with it. Get yourself into space. God. Yeah. Some of these franchises are too too scared about getting themselves up into space. You know. Yeah. I've seen gravity. Bit. Everything's worse in space. Space is the only time when the phrase "worst things happen at sea" doesn't apply. 
Because even sailors, we're fucking out. Could be worse. Could be in space. You make the slightest yeah. mistake in space, and you're done. Yeah, you're dusted. Yeah. But uh, in the sea, you might be all right for a while. Hang on to a bit of driftwood. Can't do that in space. Put on a massive you're... door that's definitely enough room for two people on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Next is there's a trailer for a movie called, and I'm pretty sure as how you pronounce this. Tell me if I'm not correct. Cornish set horror film, Ennis Men which is from director Mark Jenkins, who directed the movie Bait, which I never did see, but it kind of looked like a, um, it looked like a really old film, but like set in, it, using really old sensibilities, but it was like a modern set film. It kind of looked a little bit like The Lighthouse, I guess, but not set in the past. But this film is set in 1973 on an uninha- uninhabited island off the British coast where a wildlife volunteer descends into a terrifying metaphysical journey that challenges her grip on reality and pushes her into a living nightmare. From the trailer, kind of like Wicker Man meets Annihilation set in Cornwall. Um, looks very interesting. And it was shot in uh, the same thing as Bait actually now set using like a 16 millimeter color negative camera. Oh, I think bait was in black and white so using like a really old camera um okay. so like a 1970s clockwork camera apparently oh, so this, sounds, gonna, this sounds this sounds look yeah so it's gonna look really old school um and yeah there's a trailer available so please go and watch it but apparently no current date's been set but the very british nightmare will wash ashore i like it in 2023 Love oh, it, folk, i haven't right? seen the trailer for that yet i might give it a look Folk of horror, course. a movie with the word men in it. Personally, Ben, I'll be calling it the Ennis Men. I don't know about I don't know about you. What did I say? Ennis Men. Ennis Men. You gotta cut that E out. Efficiency, Ennis Men. It's E E N Y S Ennis Men. Ennis Man. Ennis Men. Ennis Men, sorry. Uh forget what podcast I'm on sometimes. Yeah. I'll get I'll get and watch that. That sounds that sounds good. It does sound good, yeah. And I, I think it's going to make me finally go and watch Bait as well because I kept adding it to a list of like, oh, you better watch that, you should watch that, you should watch that. And now there's another film from the director. There's a reason to get caught up with it. For a second, yeah. I thought you were going to say, give me a reason to go to Cornwall. Give me a reason to go to Cornwall and go onto an un... un, un I can't even say that word. Uninhabited island and get into a metaphysical nightmare. And descend into a metaphysical nightmare. And all I was trying to do was volunteer for the wildlife all right just don't just don't just leave me alone um okay and the last excuse me i don't know where that came from the last bit of news i've got is that the movie the menu is out now in cinemas i don't know if we've discussed this on i'm not sure we have but i'm i've seen some trailers for it. i'm dead keen i'm dead keen as well yeah but apparently it's made 15 million 15 million dollars worldwide in its debut weekend which is good it's got ray fines nicholas holt anya taylor joy i've seen the trailer it looks kind of like cutting and um satirical but it's got like a little bit of a sinister edge to it and by looking looking at the genres it says comedy thriller horror so there's definitely some horror in there um but yeah i kind of don't want to know too much more about it i want to see it kind of unfold on the big screen without hearing too much else about it however i think i reckon i'd recommend it just from or just go and check out the trailer if you like the sound of it it's about some people in a restaurant right and they're all having a lovely bit of dinner but the dinner's like oh tiny little portions oh that looks that looks amazing how much does that cost to make raf ray finds is like uh is like a chef who like announces every dish and he's kind of got a little big speech that goes with it. very very high dining 
Is that how you say it? Fine dining. Sorry, not high dining. Yeah. You're not. You're not on drugs. Fine dining. Um, but takes somewhat of a sinister turn. What could it be? Who knows? Could be anything. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't even worry. Don't even worry. Trying uh, to get the bloody for... bill at the end. Oh my goodness. Have... For dessert, <laughs> when you get a bloody bill, that's a true horror. But for dessert, you can have some Agent Delight if you want. If you if you're sick of all the fine dining, butterscotch yeah, flavor. It really, it's something really basic. Yum. <laughs> You know, just have an ambrosia cut to the ambrosia custard, please. Cold. Uh, did you have any more news? You had some news. I got, I got a couple uh, bits, a for, couple bits for you, Ben. One, I thought it be like rumored at this stage. Got two bits of horror gaming news for you, actually. One of oh. them, rumors are coming, Ben. I think we willed it into existence with our talk a few oh, weeks back. Apparently, some there's whispers that they are working on a Dino Crisis revival. Yes, I reckon they've heard that. They've seen that video, Ben. The the listeners that we get, the kind of clout we have in the industry, we're driving these things forward. Don't tease me. Don't. Uh, if this doesn't happen, I'll be devastated. Oh, it's gonna. It, it's hope, gonna. I, isn't hope, it? I hope we get. Yeah, almost certainly. The other thing that I hope almost certainly happens is Ubisoft apparently have said that they have heard people loud and clear. Their words, not mine. Um, following a survey they recently sent out to their customer base asking for their feedback on what of their series they would like to see them resurrect and overwhelming responses saying, here, finished Legacy of Kane, you dogs. Don't leave that film, don't leave that series on a cliffhanger 20 years ago and never finish it, if you could. Um, Some people are still hanging on, they're still waiting. They want to know what's going down. I'll tell you what, I finished, what was the last one? It was uh, Defiance, the last one. And it ends, you go back in time, and a fella comes up and says, Yanis Aldrin must stay dead. Yanis Aldrin's an original vampire, something along those lines. Still mm. still hanging on this one. And then it ends on a cliffhanger, and then they never, ever finished it. There was a failed MMO, which I wouldn't mm. have played anyway, because online, yuck. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Disgusting. So much so much lore and story that sadly they've left it a lot. Well, maybe not sadly. They've left it so long now that they may just have to start over but i'd be here for it i'd play more legacy of kane one of my favorite series growing up mm. maybe a remake do you think they do yeah hope so hope so okay. or maybe just some of the condenses the story of the first ones who knows but i would yeah. i would be i'd be very much there for it the last bit of horror news for you ben something mm-hmm. a new a new a new event emerges something else for us to look out for new um, challenger yeah new challenger but not a challenger they're not challenging us they're challenging ben the um a world in which we don't see enough new and emerging filmmakers getting their work showcased and mm. perhaps not enough bloody film festivals covering horror outside of London. Precious few. Precious few mm. there are, Ben. Uh, maybe not on a global scale. There's probably loads you sound, of you sound like You sound like Yoda then for a second. <laughs> Precious few there are, Ben. Precious few there are. <laughs> um, anyway, I heard from the good folks. I assume the good folks. I've chatted to them a tiny bit. They, they struck me as good folks. A yeah. gas horror film festival. They are launching next year a new festival dedicated entirely to new horror films by minority filmmakers coming to Chapeltown Picture House, Manchester, June 17th and 18th, 2023. Um, at the time of recording, I saw just a couple of days ago their socials were still calling out for submissions from you know minority filmmakers of all types. If that is you, if you're listening to my voice around the world right now, um, and it's you know quite soon after release. You're an indie horror filmmaker. Have a look at it. Get in touch. Um, we would love yeah. to be talking about your movies. 
2023 in uh, Manchester. Infinitely drivable for me. I could turn up for that. You could turn up for that tomorrow. I mean, you'd be early. You'd be incredibly early. It'd that'd be embarrassing. Be, that'd be a good eight months in eight months in advance. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it sounds good. Always keen when we've got new up and coming festivals coming out mm. there. More opportunities to for us to see movies. We don't have a, a huge, I would say, our UK horror um, festival circuit is far from saturated. So it's very nice to see another one. Hmm. Yeah, definitely keen for that. That sounds wonderful. It'd be good to to cover that in some in some way, shape, or form, wouldn't it? Uh, great lovely. news, lovely. Well, that's um, it for that's... horror news for me, anyway. Uh, I swear I was going to say something else then for horror news. What was I going to say? It was on the tip of my tongue, and then I got drawn into what you were saying so much that who knows? I'll never be able to get it back. No, it's gone. I apologise. Maybe it'll it'll come back uh, during the duration of this episode. So I guess what we've been watching, have you seen anything of note? I've seen a few bits, Ben. Let me rattle you off a a wee list. So the first one, I've been not watching with my eyes, but listening with my ears and absorbing with my mind. The podcast, The Witch Farm. Now, it's from the makers of excellent podcasts um, such as Uncanny and uh, The Battersea Poltergeist. Old Danny mm. Robbins uh, um, got ever such a nice way about him. Good broadcaster. It's um, by a BBC Sounds. Now, normally, I'd have a bit of a problem with that. I'd be like, come on, BBC, you're a traditional media, getting involved in my podcast space, get out. Yes. But, um, Danny Robbins is a good egg in my book. I've always enjoyed the podcasts. I like the little asides and little bits of investigation that he does. And performed um you know there's there's dramatized bits with a, an excellent cast i was listening to a bit while i was getting a heater out of my shed earlier on that's a little bit spooky and i was like oh bloody hell put a light on. something something well, might crawl up your yeah leg. um there's it's it's i've got a couple of episodes left to run episodes come out on monday um but some good podcast listening less so much in the fiction the combination of reporting like the skeptics and believers having debates on what could what the ghost sightings could be with mm. some good drama in there good production about it i like it a lot um film wise though a more traditional what you've been watching since um ahead of my interview with andy edwards uh, director of um the midnight peep show i watched his um feet the his premiere his first ever debut um directing feature i watched ibiza undead it was a, lot of fun. Oh, you did. a bit of silly oh, a bit of silly zombie fun in 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 ibiza um yeah so with, with superhands as well yeah with uh yeah with matt superhands himself like yeah it was it's That's a lot awesome. of fun i enjoyed that um and it's really good having having watched it before i spoke to andy and then hearing him talk about his film influences growing up and the things that he um aspired to do you can see a lot of that, a lot of that kind of connective tissue into the way he makes films and the and have fun with it, and like links into the to the comedy side of horror as well. So that was a good laugh. That's available on Amazon Prime now. Um, certainly in the UK, free if you have an Amazon Prime subscription. I also got round to watching Pearl. Um, oh, you, you did. Saw Pearl, okay. didn't you? I did already see Pearl. Yes. Very strange, wasn't it? More of a character study until yeah. the very, very end of the movie where it. Becomes a horror. Mm. 
yeah um but, interesting though i enjoyed it yeah i, enjoyed I it. think it, had, it was a really um solid performance by mia goth there were times yeah. i got really really drawn into her um monologuing or just kind of losing her losing her nut um yeah. especially you know when she goes on a certain um audition you kind of know which way it's going to go and you're a little bit like oh god please what's gonna yeah. happen yeah i really I, I quite liked that and mia goth as you say is absolutely stunning in it um mm. yeah it's not does even it a- kind of does it kind of make you want a, a third part i mean i guess it's going to be ca- carrying on from x rather than a prequel initially i was like mm, do i really want a prequel to x do i really want a sequel to x it's kind of like it has i don't think it's improved my it's not upped my sort yeah, of anticipation I, for either. No, because like I say, I think Pearl. It definitely wouldn't have worked to do it in the other direction because I think if a horror audience went to see Pearl first, yeah. without the knowledge of the character, I'm not sure it would have worked as well as it did. It's having seen X and knowing what happens with those characters that yeah. you that you take in what what happens with it, and it probably gets away with, as I say, being more of a character study um, and more of about the relationships between those characters for quite an, quite a significant part of the film. I have no idea what direction they're taking with Maxine. It could, yeah. again, go into what happens to this character after these traumatic events uh, of, yeah. of X, with only X in the middle being an mm-hmm. absolute horror film. So I'm interested to see how it goes and what happens with it. I'll certainly be turning up to watch Maxine, but it was, it yeah. was fun. Interesting to see um, how it plays out, definitely. And then last but not least, Ben, I finished, completed my run of the Hellraiser movies. Oh my God. The only with, man to do it in the 21st century. Probably not. I'm joking. That's with silly. Sorry to Hellraisers, say with Hellraisers 9 and 10. Um, in both, probably the weakest examples of the of the series. Um, I mean, even Hellworld had bishop burying people and making them hallucinate themselves to death um hellraiser 9 <laughs> is a um it's like a, it's another detective story but kind of already been done in the past with one of the previous entries hmm. um yeah it's uh it, it was an unusual it was an unusual one actually no sorry this is the this is the problem with it hellraiser 9 was <laughs> was a, a completely surreal affair hellraiser 10 was the defective was the detective story with kind of as far as i remember now an element of heaven involved in there as well where there's like an angel that comes down from upper management and says (laughs) pinhead an opposite to a centibite will you pack it in stop stop mucking about with that there's been bloody 10 films of this pinhead will you just give it a rest don't don't mess with this detective all right he's he, he's 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 a bit different. Like he's he's out of your jurisdiction, and they they do get him, and they go, ah, I got him, and they go, right, that's it, you're going to be punished for that. And then Pinhead tears the angel up. Spoilers for the end of Hellraiser Ten, everybody. Sorry. Um, and after he's after he's torn the angel up with those hooks, this kind of auditor guy who's played by the director of the movie goes, oh, we shouldn't have done, we shouldn't have done that, boss. No, I out of those apples. <laughs> and and Penny goes, oh, what are they going to do? And then she basically goes, oh, she's the bloody angel that kicked Adam and Eve out of 
heaven what if they and then it flashes and they've been turned into just homeless people on the streets taken away their cenobite powers uh, and just made them and then they go to people of... telling people I'm, i used to be a cenobite and people are like yeah. yeah of course you did pal just call them just made them a couple of lads on the street and there's like oh no gutted all the suffering i've, I've lost that now there's one well, no, no you are homeless in america you're probably gonna suffer a fair bit mate but um who's Less chains. Play, who's playing Pinhead? Less chains. Slightly less chains. Um, some some fella. I'd have to look it up. Not Doug Bradley. Is it? So it's not Doug Bradley, but there's only ever, there's only one ever actor who plays him, right? There's not I like there's so. not a, seri- a series of actors. Yeah, I think time. I think so. You know me, been all all white fella the same to me, but you know I um, <laughs> but I. All yeah. those white dudes with bald heads and pins in their head look about the same to me. To, to be I, fair, if you put the ears. One of the things about Pinhead is that he has got pins in his head. He doesn't look much like what any array of actors might have looked like playing him. Um, yeah. Just imagine um, imagine anyone with pins in their head. Uh, imagine Arnie, pins in his head. The Rock, easier to imagine because he's got a bald head. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think now you've, now you've put it up, especially after his sterling performance as Mr. Freeze, maybe oh, Arnie yeah, of course. Would, have been real, would have been excellent. You'd have had a lot of hell puns. And they've been yeah. like hot puns instead of cold puns. It's been very good. I'm going to try and Burn think. It out! It's not really a pun. That's just a series of words. Interesting, though. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that it? What, so that is it, apart I from... I don't know. Sure about you. I don't know if I'm ever going to join you in watching all of the Hellraiser movies so we can then do a ranking. Maybe I will, because I've seen the first three recently, as well as the, the reboot or sort of sequel. So yeah, I will say uh, to what... you, don't 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 rush into that one necessarily. I won't. Uh, what have I seen this week? I've not seen all that much this week. I've been gaming a bit this week. Um, but I will mention I did see Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Not horror, obviously, or Luke horror. Luke Condor Forever. Luke Condor Forever. Uh, and it was really good. I think it's my favorite Marvel movie of the year so far. Considering we've had what Doctor Strange and Thor. I think Doctor Strange was all right. Thor was probably a bit naff so this kind of felt like a return to form for the mcu stuff where it feels like um the stakes are high um, it feels like emotionally charged and again it feels like a movie where sure there are some laughs and there's some comedy but it's not the be all and end all which i think occasionally i'm not saying all the time because i like taiki taika wikititi as a as a uh filmmaker but maybe thor love and thunder felt like some of the weight of the things where it's like this character had terminal cancer and this character had his whole family murdered. But here are all the jokes. It felt a bit like, okay, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> bit of whiplash. Um, bit of whiplash. A bit of tonal whiplash going on. But I think Black Panther deals with it, everything really well. It obviously carries a huge burden, burden because of Chadwick Boseman's um, death and the fact that they've they didn't recast him in MCU, which I think is the best, it's probably the best thing they could have done with it. Um, but yeah, really good villain as well in Namor, played by Tenoch Huerta. Just feels like, you know, like how Aquaman is like over the top, everything's really colourful under the sea. It's a bit Power Rangers in terms of the armour and everything that everybody wears. If yeah. If ever an underwater kingdom being hidden from the world for years could feel realistic yeah. it would it would kind of be this because i feel like it gets a lot right and it feels like it leans heavily into like the mayan 
um the Mayan history as well which is really it's, it's just really really interesting um and you know often often sometimes you're like how is this happening in the MCU but no the the the, the huge variety of other heroes that exist aren't getting involved at least it feels self-contained and it kind of makes sense the fact that it's self-contained but some really really powerful performances from um i mean leticia wright's good but also angela bassett and danae guerrera um i've just remembered what my piece of horror news was by saying that well done ben lapita Nyongo as well everyone's great and it, it's just it, yeah it's good it introduces some new characters as well which is which is good i recommend it if you're a fan of the original black panther and Probably yeah, the best Marvel, best Marvel of the year, I'd say. Oh, it too. Bit bit of horror news I've, I remembered. Sorry, what were you going to say then? Um, so you just reminded me saying Lupita and Young Guy forgot to mention while I was away. I did get round to watching Little Monsters, which I thought was brilliant. Oh also yeah, it's so good. I love Little Monsters. That was good. It was good we'll times, wasn't it? We'll do an episode on Little Monsters one day because it's so good. I loved it. Yeah, I recommend. Yeah, it's like um. Anyone who doesn't know what Little Monsters is, it's a basically Lupita Nyong'o is a teacher protecting kids during a zombie event. Yeah, and it's 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 very nice. Got some Taylor Swift in there. What a time! <laughs> I don't remember the Taylor Swift. It was a while ago. I saw that. Yeah, it's very. Um, the the other piece of horror news I remembered was that the Walking Dead show is now over. The last episode ever from that show, and then they're doing spinoffs. Um, it aired last night i don't really know what happened i think i don't know if there was a cliffhanger where it was when you mentioned uh legacy of kane that i thought of cliffhangers I, I don't want to spoil anything but i think people seem to be happy with with how it ends i obviously haven't it kind of does tempt me to go back and watch it because i think i stopped maybe like season six maybe early season seven you've got, you've got further than i did i got to the end of season two Mm. Um, oh, season! I did like season three. Season three was a good one in the prison. Um, it's a shame, really, isn't it? Because I think it started off so strongly. I remember finding out it was getting made, sort of counting down to the a bit like The Last of Us, I guess, where it's kind of like a huge property that exists in another medium is being made into into this huge budget TV show. We kind of feel um, spoiled, if anything, that we're getting to. To, to experience that and i remember counting down to the walking dead and the, that theme music is 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 amazing i still i still think that's amazing in terms of theme music and i think the first episodes were stunning in terms of like bringing the comic book pages to life um yeah it lost its way in season two a little bit but there was a strike right strike or something when there's some yeah. episodes gone and it's season, season three, two that was the right strike era yeah with everything wasn't it yeah um and the season three was good and then it just slowly started to decline to the point where, and I felt I felt like the same with the comic books as well. It just gets to the point where similar sort of things happen. They, the the cast of main characters settle in a place. Things are lovely. Things are so nice. Look, she's making bread. Can't believe it. She's hanging out her washing. Oh, we're all back to normal. And then a new, and then a new, new, new and then a new baddie turns up. But first it was like the, what's it called? Like the governor guy, the the tankman. Yeah. And then it yep. was Negan, who was the Negan. best one. And then it was the, and then it was the Whisperers and all those and the, all those other things. And yep. I know it's, it's absolutely the polar opposite of something that continues a story happening. I'd have been quite satisfied if they'd gone. I just live here now, and it's nice. It's nice. What about the zombies? 
they've just they've walked a different way. They're they've out there. They're, they're out there. You're not going to worry about them. Stay in there. Yeah, so good. We got lovely big walls. Yeah, it was uh, disappointing. But I'll probably just read about how it ended because I'm I'm so far. Like, I didn't even see when um, Rick. Well, don't want to spoil anything, but he did take a leave of absence for a while, didn't he? Whether he was dead or not, who knows? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how it ends. But now, now we've got some spin-offs. I think there's a Daryl spin-off. There's a spin-off with Negan and somebody else. Maggie and Negan. Weird. And I think there might be a Rick and Michelle. I don't even know, actually. I'm just, I'm just throwing So basically, there's an infinite number of infinite spin-offs. Mm. So it's not so much ended as it has divested. Yeah, that sounds like it. And then, you know, if a, if a, if a certain spin-off does well, you can have a spin-off from that spin-off. After yeah. 10 years. It's like Mork and Mindy and Happy Days all over again. <laughs> yeah, it is. True story. Oh, yeah. that Mork first appeared in an episode of Happy Days. I went, Robin Williams, he's funny. Yeah. The program. Yeah. That's awesome. Though. I love it. I love that. Um, and the only other thing I've really watched this week, apart from that, is Elvira's Haunted Hills. So obviously after doing the Elvira episode a few weeks back, uh, me and Charlie decided to watch Elvira's Haunted Hills. It's kind of weird because Elvira is just in 1850. And no one really explains why. It's not like she's time traveled. It's just here's Elvira in a different story. It's a real the um, nun two situation. It's an incredible the nun two situation. So this is a bit slapstick. It's like classic horror tropes, a bit universal horror stuff, and it's very very silly. But again, still kind of works for me because I genuinely think Cassandra Peterson's delivery and comedic timing is that good that I do feel like I could just watch her in any scenario. And then um, we've also bought the Elvira and Vincent Price comic book run, which was five issues. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into that as well to see what hijinks they well, get up to. Elvira super fan here. Uh, yeah, got the autobiography as well. Considering I paid no attention until probably like a year ago. We'll be when getting we're... a getting you a, a Cassandra Peterson cameo for your birthday. <laughs> I would like that. That sounds lovely. That's expensive now. That's hundred quid. That's hundred quid, isn't it? That's hundred quid. That's why you get it. That's why you get it for a present. It's not, yeah, exactly. Not your money that's then. True. That's true. Oh no, I've accidentally deleted it off my phone. Ah, Don't do it again, please. No, can I have another one? You can have uh, yeah. forever. That's all right. <laughs> Cheers. That's pretty much it in terms of what I watched. Um, apart from as you already said, the movie of the week, which is a movie double bill, an original and a remake this week. Um, I like doing the original remake stuff. It's good to kind of watch the movie and then watch the remake immediately because then you kind of see what they've kept and what they've changed. Kind of fascinating. Um, so yeah, the movie of the week. So we're going to lead with The Last House on the Left, which is a 1972 American exploitation horror film written, directed and edited by Wes Craven in his directorial debut. Two teenage girls heading to a rock concert for one's birthday. Oh, I'm assuming they mean one of the teenage girls. The way they've said it is like, because the Queen's English. Two teenage girls heading to a rock concert for one's birthday. <laughs> tried, to, tried to score marijuana in the big city. Hey, we're in the big city getting some marijuana. Although they definitely say it's Colombian. And I was like, that's cocaine. <laughs> I, I, the Colombians might, I, might do a little bit of uh, marijuana as well on the side. Yeah. Where... They are kidnapped and brutalized by a gang of psychopathic convicts. Psychopathic is the right word. Um, and we are also going to talk about a 2009 film alongside it, which was directed by Dennis Iliadis. 
great name. Um, and it's a remake of that film, obviously. So in the original, the cast includes Sandra Peabody, Lucy Grantham, David A. Hess, Fred Lincoln, Jeremy Rain, amongst others. And the remake stars Sarah Paxton. Um, I was confused by that. I thought it was, what's her name from Dawn of the Dead remake? But that must be a slightly different name, but similar. Yeah, I'll find out in a minute. Tony Goldwyn, Monica Potter, Garrett Dillahunt, killed by a tiger twice on this podcast. Yeah, Aaron Paul, um, Spencer Treat Clark, who is the kid from Unbreakable. I was like, I recognize his face. That guy's doe-eyed loser face. I recognize from somewhere. Where is it? It's Unbreakable when he telling his dad to lift more weights. Dangerous, if anything. Um. I feel like I'm just firing loads of information at you. Sorry, Andy. It's all right. But, um, so the original 5.9 on IMDb, the remake 6.5 on IMDb. Oh, hello. The original 3.0 on Letterboxd, 2.9 the remake on Letterboxd. All the way around. Rotten Tomatoes, the original 63% critic score, 50% audience score. The original, sorry, no, the remake. 43% critic score, 52% audience score. So, like, a, a dip in the critics, which is surprising, I think, considering that, like, this was 1972, and then a slight audience score for the uh, for the remake. Um, and some choice reviews here. These are reviews of the original only. Uh, so, Groove Man says, not as great as the first ice on the right, but still really good. Oh, I hope Groove Man. Groove Man, we know what you're playing at. Three and a half stars. Review by Ian West. Bleak, upsetting, and filled with zero hope. A notorious hard watch. The 70s were underway. Four and a half stars. That's pretty intense. Yeah. And then Julie Norwood says, Dirty, dingy, exploitation flick that has cringe-inducing dialogue and acting. If the bu- budget was any lower, they would have canned the actors and went with shadow puppets. Three stars. I think three stars is still pretty high for a film that you say the acting's so bad. That you that could use shadow puppets. I mean, also, I would argue that with the complexities of lighting uh, a film shoot, shadow mm. puppets would be incredibly difficult to pull off. That's true. I mean, in just otherwise, watch <laughs> yeah, in, another, in an otherwise, you know, really dynamic environment, projecting yeah. shadow puppets onto not a screen, but onto a, a real physical environment. Yeah. Show me the filmmaker who can do that, Ben, and give him an Oscar. That's true. Shadow puppets. If you said another type of puppet, like a little or marionette puppet, a little marionette, I maybe could have understood, but shadow puppets. We only watched Killer Clowns last week. Shadow puppets seem incredibly difficult if you're not um, an alien clown. I mean, for them, it comes naturally, obviously. It's a classic clown jape. <laughs> it sure is. Um, uh, before we get into these movies, let me just say one thing. Why the hell well not say one thing but question one thing why is this film called last house on the left i don't seem to think that there's any point where anyone says it's a last house on the left or there's a line a series of houses where you would need to point out which one was the house which this house we go to? Yeah. in both of these films is like six miles away from anywhere apparently so if that house was there you would never need to say it's a last house on the left because there is no left there is no last which what be- the fuck that house over there. That house over there. Which one? The last one on the left. What on earth are you talking about? There's one house over there in the middle of nowhere. It's the last one on the left, isn't it? There's a little sign in the remake that doesn't say last house on the left. It just says like 
sort of about a lake. In, the... Yeah, inconsequential about the house down there. Um, There's a house down there, exactly. Um, let me have a look. Um, so that was my only question and query about that. Also, how do you feel about this being Wes Craven's first film? Could you see any sign of an, another Wes Craven film? I mean, The Hills Have Eyes to a degree. I see a lot of different Wes Craven films that would come from some of the original ideas that came in here. You've already nailed it with the the way that The Hills Have Eyes. I think some of the depravity and the actions of the people that you have um, in there. Perhaps almost those people uh almost more sympathetic because at least they are irradiated monster people rather than just awful humans um yeah there's there's elements of a nightmare on elm street that you see in here as well particularly when the the home alone house they make at the end when they make <laughs> when they set up all the traps <laughs> i um, was cracking up i was cracking up during that moment and yeah. to be fair I wasn't cracking up during many moments of this film because it is bleak and yeah, making making those making those traps was a beloved bit of of levity from this film, and it's not to take away from the quality of the filmmaking because I think you can see throughout this movie the skill uh, of the the immense discomfort that Wes Craven can create. I think he has a great many this will come across in a, in a few parts, but there's a great talent to some of the photography direction in this film it and i think it makes the unpleasant scenes of the movie all the more unpleasant because in some of the most violent scenes in the early portion of the film when it's the victims that are having violence like portrayed upon them it's not shot like a movie it's shot no. like there is a it's not a found footage movie but it is shot like someone is in amongst it. They aren't framed shots. They are not designed for you to get a cinematic view of the action. It is purposefully like you're in the melee and the mess of these bodies as they mm. are as as they're going through. And far from and far from it being like um breaking out and you feel like oh this makes it not so well shot. I can't really see what's going on. You're kind of almost relieved that you can't see everything and it makes it feel all the grittier and realer for it mm. um so this phenomenal i think skill as a filmmaker there but if the purpose of this film is to make you feel uncomfortable i think he succeeds in buckets how about yeah. you yeah it's definitely got snuff film vibes isn't it yeah i never i mean i've never seen either of these films before don't know why just one of those cinematic blind spots isn't it I'm reading here that it was based on a 1960 swedish film the virgin spring um, which was again sort of like a rape revenge film. So I didn't really know it was it was like that. And I guess films like I Spit on Your Grave and stuff like that, yeah. of, which I have seen, um, it, similar to that in a way. But yeah, sort of bleak and like no hope because you kind of, even though rape revenge films are difficult to watch and it often promises something, which is that the person who has the crime committed upon them does still to get still get some form of revenge in the end uh, violence but with this film it, it isn't the the people who have those crimes committed upon them who get the revenge they are just killed um and obviously they just happen to stumble upon 
some relatives of, of one of the victims and then and then that's where the revenge starts so in yeah. a way it's like even though it's 1972 it feels like a not a very standard exploitation rape revenge film in that sense because you know it feels like there is a very basic structure to those sort of films yeah. and this one kind of took you out of that and i kind of appreciated the remake a bit more because even though it doesn't it still kind of takes that same stance and same standpoint and progresses with the acts of revenge being committed by someone who hasn't had those events but there's still that, like a little sliver of hope isn't there which is yeah. that you know these people can can go on and live a normal life after this terrible event whereas the original is like it's just horrific for everyone it's, involved yeah the, 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 the remake and i guess we'll come to it in a more detail as we get towards the sharp end of the film towards the end but i found it really interesting the things they kept in you know with um 2000 sensibilities versus the thing they chopped out the things that they cut out and the things they changed about it were mm. not not necessarily for good or ill in in, a, in either case but interesting in what they chose to change and what they chose to keep very much the same yeah no, no um, i agree but yeah we i guess you know again spoilers for these movies we are going to go through them in detail neither of them are particularly new some of them are very old um but we'll we'll go through this beat by beat um as ben what said happens this. in the 1972 last house on the left Ah, you've only ruined it for us. Bloody hell! Was getting around to that soon. Um, <laughs> getting around to that. So we, you know, we we begin with for like the first thirty seconds of this movie. It's one of the most wholesome horror movies I've seen. It, t- it suddenly takes a nose there very quick, but it begins with like the postman pulling up, going, "Blimey, hell!" Like he opens the dog to bring this. That's like an episode of Postman Pat. It's like an episode. Po- of Postman Pat. opens door. Little dog, lovely Cassie, the dog, like runs mm. into his car and gives him a little cuddle. It's like, oh, good morning. I tell what you was... what, got some lovely birthday cards here. Anyone who <laughs> thinks she was the only girl that ever turned 17 yeah. in the world. Oh, see, that's another thing that's like really grim about this is the fact that she's 17. I don't know if in the remake does it say how old the character is. I think Mary she says is? that she's 17 as she's well. 17 as well. I, th- I think just, it says, yeah. I think it just, a po- just a point I want to make before I forget it. Um, the thing I found interesting was that the prolonged, like torture slash, um, horror kidnapping scene for the original is like the first two thirds of the movie, and the final third is like revenge. And in the in the remake, it's like the first third of the movie is is the is the torture and it's... the kidnapping. The final two thirds are like the revenge. Yeah, there's there's more of a time to it. Like I noticed in this one, maybe not even be a third Ben. I noticed that the the plan kicks off on this one. Like they maybe start putting it together a few minutes before, but there's been no revenge action until there is below mm. twenty minutes of the movie left. Yeah. In which it's one, like, sir? It's about in the first one. There's about the last in seventeen the minutes one. are actually things that are happening. Yeah. Um. Right. Uh, yeah. I. I looked at the timing and I there's no there's no credits really at the back end of the first one but um but yeah it, it comes it's really concentrated in those last moments it's a bit more extended in the, mm. the in the remake they give some more yeah and obviously the different the difference in the soundtracks as well is that the original soundtrack is very upbeat um kind of melancholic 
uh, not melancholic. Um, what the opposite, but he's but he joke like it is. I think it's jovial. Yes, yeah, it's like smoking. Melanch- it's like Smokey and the Bandit. Like it's very you, very strange, and, and some like, of them feel like really odd, like little keyboard runs and stuff that don't do 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 do. It's like you what it it is. It's very much either Smokey and the Bandit or like a BBC produced um like drama mostly featuring kids yeah. and they're saving an old house from property developers with their friends who is a ghost it's yeah. a true story the real real film um i did yes yeah. <laughs> what film is it i think it's called something ridiculous like a ghost of a chance and some kids team oh, up wow. with some like gentleman ghosts to stop Sounds some developers um, something feels incre- like cre- that it's very strange and the remake soundtrack has got something like incredibly modern about the soundtrack. It's got almost like an elevated horror sound to it in the soundtrack sometimes. Like those constant growing like gongs. Yeah. I think we've heard that in stuff like folk horror movies, but also like hereditary. And there's loads of that, which is really good at like building the tension. Yeah. I was impressed with the soundtrack. Some yeah, some really odd some odd choices in the original for soundtrack. I mean, it works for a like almost a dissonance between the action on screen and then how these characters are sometimes portrayed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, agree with you in the, in the remake. I think it was very effectively done. Mm. Um, so we, we begin after that little scene there um, story beat wise, you know, we, it, it kind of takes a sleazy and it brings in that exploitation turn almost straight away. So we've had the lovely scene where it's like, Oh, only think, you know, anyone thinks she's the only 17 year old girl in the world. And before that guy's even off camera, it sort of loses it a little bit. So, oh, bloody hell, I'd give her one, though. It's perving talking to the dog. It's like, oh, bloody hell. And then goes, <laughs> Is that what he says? Yeah. And then, yeah. And then he says that to the dog. Yeah. And, and the dog and then, goes, talking to the wrong guy, mate. Yeah. As a dog, I'm not interested in this type of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, Weird. It, it then goes immediately to, like, you know, a shower scene, getting. Yeah. She's getting, she's getting ready to go out on the town. Yeah. And then when she's dressed to go out on the town, her dad says what can only be considered an incredibly inappropriate thing about her nipples being on the show. You're not uh, going to wear a bra then, are you? Because no, no one wears any any bra. Less dad with granddad. No one wears any... No one wears bra <laughs> granddad. Grand. No one likes support anymore. It's because bras in the 70s probably just big, like, empty... Just, just coat angers with a bit of material. They hadn't invented <laughs> actual support then. No. <laughs> yeah, he said you could see your nipple. I think that's kind of it. It's kind of like the music kind of has this like jovial, sort of like family-friendly um, sort of sound to it. But then immediately you're kind of, by the, the things that you see on screen and hear on screen are complete, the complete opposite. Even this is supposed to be like a good family environment. And again, are we supposed to think, oh, it's 1972. People probably were saying things like this. It's like, yeah, probably were, but doesn't make them any less weird. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's so, it is so strange because they have some lovely, like family banter almost. It's like the dad says to his 17 year old years old today, daughter, see your nipples through your top. And she goes, come on, dad, don't be such a bloody prude. Mom used to whack her tits up like tor- torpedoes back in the sixties. I beg your pardon. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? Don't She's be like, such yeah. a prude. It's like I'll be. I'll be honest. I'm being the opposite of a prude. It sounds like you're being a dirty old pervert to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's 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 really strange. This is their family. <laughs> their family banter. 
And to be fair, doesn't doesn't you know come down and say no, no, you're really not going out in a in a in a see through top. You're going to have to whack a bra on. He just gives us a mild ribbon about it. Everyone's going to be able to see your nipples in a way. He goes, oh, aren't you? Um, the dad then immediately shows loads of knowledge about like, oh, are you, are you going to go and see in the town? She's going to a, a concert on her birthday to see a band called Bloodlust. And for a man that is... It's a good band name, seems, isn't it? ...seems to be objecting to it, knows a lot about their set list and what they... Aren't they the people that bit the heads off chickens on stage? Oh, come on, they only did that, only did that once. No, I only did that three times, and that's and I've done over hundred concerts, you know. So three times is nothing, really. Three percent. I wonder who knows about it because you know, there's no. He's not looking at hashtag bit the heads off chickens, and I'm not sure that's the type of thing that makes it into the paper. Word of mouth. Is that rip roaring show from Bloodlust last night? Yeah, word <laughs> four of and mouth. Half, four and a half stars just in the review column. <laughs> the culture section. And they bit the head off a chicken, which was interesting. Very nice. Wait, was this pre Ozzy Osbourne biting the head off a bat? It would have been pre seventy two, so it's it would be have close, been pre. Right? So I'm pretty sure he did that. He did that solo, so he didn't go solo until like I want to say early eighties. Maybe Ozzy was a big Bloodlust fan. Yeah, he was. Um, uh, they they come up with it, and then oh, I like the 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 joke here with it. No, who's the is it? No, Sadie's the the bad lady. Who? What's the friend's name? The friend's name Estelle? is. I'm not sure actually. What is the Estelle? So um, you've got Mary Collinwood. Sorry, Estelle is the mum. Doctor John is the dad. Um, and then is it Phyllis? Phyllis. It could well be Phyllis. You don't really hear their names very much, but I like the. Who are you going to the concert with? <laughs> oh, Phyllis. And she goes. Oh, they think she's a bit of the kid from the high, from the wrong side of the tracks from New York City, and it's like, yeah. Oh, what? Uh, what what business are your parents in? Is it all the iron and steel business? He goes, oh, it's unusual to see those things together. Don't think it is. I think iron and steel probably go quite well as businesses. And, and <laughs> yeah. then but iron. And what what did you do also that bit of steel? Yeah, that's of crazy. Steel. That's a chunk of cheese. That's, that's a chunk of cheese. Fortunately, though, it's just a setup for an excellent excellent joke. So yeah, mom does the ironing, dad does the stealing. Way <laughs> implying in. That her parents are actually <laughs> a housewife and a burglar. Um, yeah, but I yeah, like it. it was it was a good little. And then they go, and she's got a little nice bottle of Lambrini in the river, waiting for him. Oh uh, yeah, cool, cooling in the river. Yeah, and they go. Have you ever done anything time. done anything similar to that? I think I I hid a bottle of Mad Dog Twenty Twenty in a bush once. Kiwi flavor. Um, we used to have oh kiwi flavor. Ever so fancy, exotic flavors. Oh, you no. go go down um, Kang's family supermarket on a Friday evening. Despite being 14, one of our friends had had a fantastic growth spurt and had a beard and was like 6'2". Classic. We you always, you so, always need, a, you always need so a friend like that. He'd nip in, old Rich would nip in and he'd get us each um bottle of Frosty Jack, get a litre of cider for a pound there. Love uh, And a couple of, couple of cans of Fosters. That's right. It's a classy store that sells Fosters cans individually. You drink mm-hmm. yourself half your cider. You refill it with uh, refill it with your lager. Lovely bottle of snake bite for you, and then we'd go around the castle grounds, have a lovely, have a lovely time. Oh, sounds great! Oh, sounds yeah. like a good. T- what a time to be alive, eh? What a time! What a time to be alive! No worries. Drinking in the, in the mid to late nineties. Mm. What what a what a time to be alive. There was one time 
got quite badly beaten up by some bigger boys around there. I was all right, I escaped, but you know, it got got a bit rough. Took a couple of nights off. Um, but yeah, other than other than that, it well, was... at least you, you didn't get last house on the left. Did? No, I didn't get last house on the left. Did at least, thank goodness. Um, but until the last house on the left thing begins, and I feel like we'll probably rattle over some of that a little bit more quickly than we do some of the other bits. But yeah, uh, one, one, one plot point, sorry, just wanted to say her parents, Estelle and John, do give her a necklace before she leaves with a peace symbol on it as a birthday present, which is obviously key to, to something yeah. that, that they happens. Give her, they, give her a, they give her a distinctive yeah. necklace and they lend her the car. Um, so she's, they she's, head into the city. Like, where, what city? Are they, are they the they, big, big apple? The big, yeah, the big, the big apple. But before they do that, they do hang out and have a little bottle of Lambrini by the river, and they, yeah. they do some classic, they do some classic chat. I mean, never been a teenage girl, Ben. I don't know what they talk about, but feels might feel a little bit contrived. Where um, Mary goes, tell you what, my boobs have come in recently, haven't they? Aren't they great? <laughs> yeah, she t- didn't, didn't you know? She went, didn't you know it's from last summer? And she's like, I didn't know you last summer. Well, let me tell you, they're absolutely huge these days. Yeah, um, um, I've I've done that, so sorted that out. What do you reckon? And this, what what do you reckon? Sex with um, chicken head biting band um, bloodlust would be like? And she says, I think it'd be ever so nice, actually. Ever so. Okay, uh, okay, top quality. If they bite chickens off, if they bite their heads off chickens. Think about what else they could do with their teeth. Um, I was about to say undo a bra, but no need for bras in this scenario. No, it wouldn't wouldn't need that kind of admin. But no. they they <laughs> talk a lot. She talks a lot about how it's quite romanticized, which I guess um is deliberate for what we what we experience a little bit later. But mm. I guess it's meant to show some naivety of the character that, you know, thinks it would be quite a romantic and nice situation to make it, as she puts it with um I, I don't want to call them a death metal band inappropriately ben do you reckon what what sort of genre of rock do you think bloodlust would play well it's only 1972 you know and i mean the birth of of heavy metal was really black sabbath so I, I, death metal wouldn't have been a thing maybe it was some something else noisy uh i, I don't even reckon a metal band just like a rock band bloodlust probably just gives them Makes them sound scarier than they are, and bite off the heads of chickens as well. But uh, no more than a Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> no more so than your Jimi Hendrix. No more so than your Jimi Hendrix playing guitar with his teeth and setting fire to the old uh, Fender Stratocaster. You know, yeah, <laughs> might might be a Christian group. Who knows? Might be a Christian band. Yeah, and maybe the uh, maybe the act of biting a head off a chicken is uh, in its way. Uh, they very they very quietly say between power chords, this is a uh, an offering to you, O Lord. O Lord. Amen. Yeah. Satanists, maybe Satanists knocking about about them, wouldn't they? Yeah. But probably. one thing I find one thing I find really interesting about this film is that the year it takes place, and I've read some stuff about it as well. That like this, re- the films like this really do signal the end of the sixties, and you know the the free love and the hippie environment and the all that stuff, which was not incredibly realistic because things like the Manson family existed, um, the Vietnam, Vietnam yet? No, <laughs> my timeline. Not, my up time... my, not up to my Vietnamese war history timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was now it's from like 55 onwards. So, but you know, the fact, but the fact that there were like veterans or people coming back from Vietnam war for a certain generation, they were forever tainted and forever 
um, affected by what they saw in that war. The fact that things like the Manson family happened and then films like this were kind of really leaning into it and saying, look, the 60s, that whole ideology of all that lovely stuff, it doesn't exist, never did exist. Here's the nasty side of life that we need to all come to terms with yeah, otherwise a generation absolutely fucked up people that we see in the end of the baddies in this movie yeah that's pretty much it, isn't it yeah because there's drug addiction in this in this film as well like uh the, the the kid junior is is a heroin addict um and yeah and just like that free this is the thing like the free love the free sex the promiscuous side of things really shown from the other end of the spectrum where it's like it's been taken one step too far where now it's without consent and now it's violent yeah. and now it's well this, these is, things this is probably the well. first the first entry point that we get here because as they come away from their time at the riverbank and they head into the town we're kind of introduced to our our antagonists of the movie via news radio report we're talking about a violent escape has happened from yeah. prison and we see the we hear about like the the main characters. So there is um, Krug, Krug Stillo, <laughs> Krug Stillo. Hey, it's Krug um, Stillo so Krug over Stillo. here. Is he the is he the leader? Is he like the tough guy? Is Krug? And then the other guy with the like grey yeah. guy who always wears a suit and always carries a little switchblade like a little motherfucker is Fred Podowski, I think. Fred, Fred Podowski, and then you have uh, Junior Stillo. Who is the the son of? Yeah, what are we gonna call? What are we gonna call this son? Or I could just call him Junior. Sounds fair. Call him Junior. Well, I guess if he's Junior, does that also mean his name is also Krug? <laughs> Possibly. Krug Stillo too. Krug Stillo um, too. Junior Senior. Um. So yeah, and this is one of the interesting changes we get from. So Junior in this one is a heroin addict, de- very deliberately addicted to drugs yeah. by his father as a method and they say on the radio as a method of a method of controlling him um, yeah. and keeping him kind of on side with their criminal activities um along with these two with these two thugs first interesting change that you see in the remake that we see that the that junior is a troubled character mm-hmm. but isn't uh isn't overtly a heroin addict. You see him smoke some weed earlier on, but he's far a far less willing participant. Than yeah, we- and it, and it seems like yeah. Junior in the original is like um purposely leading them and into into a scenario where they're going to end up being kidnapped and tortured. Yeah. Where whereas in the remake, he just hangs out with them, smokes some weed, and then the bad is the back bad- his family. They turn up, back they turn up earlier than he expected them. Earlier than he expected them to, right? So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Whereas, whereas... And, his name, and his name's Justin in the in the remake as well. So clearly, we've gone Junior. Now nah, let's give him his own name, Justin. Just yeah. Justin. So they they've changed they've changed a few things around with that one. Primarily his addiction to drugs and how much involvement he has, and his ultimate fate is. Is very different in the across the movies as well, right? But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting portrayal, and he has we as we learn in a few minutes, he has very different career aspirations. He doesn't really want to be a heroin addicted criminal. He would prefer to be a frog. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, initially when he said I want to be a frog, I was a bit like, 
that sounds ridiculous. That sounds stupid. What do you think? Live in a fairy tale. But when he described what it would be like to be a frog, I was like, that sounds right, actually. He'd and have his own lily pad. Yeah, he would have his own lily pad. And as we quickly learn, he's very good at ribbit noises and doing like frog eyes. Yeah, I reckon he did that at some point on set. And Wes Craven said, So you want to be a frog? You're a frog we boy. Got, we got a guess. He said, Listen. He said, <laughs> He said, Listen, we got to get this into. We gotta get this into the film somehow. All right, do you reckon you could be a frog? In the next scene, I'm gonna rewrite rewrite the script so that you do this ribbit. And he's gone, yeah, fair fair shame. Yeah, I'm a good job at ribbits. And then we hear about the last the last baddie, uh, a woman who's described as animal like on several occasions. <laughs> Why is she described as animal like? Kicked the dog, to, kicked like an attack dog to death as they were as they were escaping Jesus, prison. Jesus, what kind of shoes was she wearing? Still toe caps. Yeah. Um, I was I'm right. I was kind of confused by this character. So mainly, it wasn't the fact that she's a psychopath. Um, clearly, like sexually free, um, but also involved in this. Her her a feminist as well. You would say because she does call the men chauvinist pigs, and even though she is kind of like offering herself to all of them in this kind of like what would you say like poly four way? No, it's more like a three way relationship. Yeah, and it's like kind the, of going on. The little boy just wants to be a frog. Yeah, he's supposed to be a frog. You got no interest in that, even though she does put his face in her boobs and her wet, soapy boobs, at one point, and he goes more, in, more interesting. Oh, I just want to be a frog. Your frog stay on the lily pad, mate. I don't get in. Ugh. But what was, despite all of that, I was mainly confused with Sadie. It was her ever changing hair? It was changing so much. It was almost like a scanner darkly with uh, Keanu Reeves, where just constantly, constantly changed. At one point, it was like a perfectly, it was a perfect afro. She's a white lady, which I thought was impressive. I mean, it is nineteen seventy-two. Um, then it was just a little bit voluminous, tousled. Later on, it's Cindy, like, Cindy Lauper. She's all later, like... later on. It's like a bob. Like when they're in the house at the end, it's like a bob. I don't think she gets rained on, and it's like a bob. I was just confused, I was confused and fascinated. There was a man who was follically challenged. I was just kind of jealous, but also like admired what was going down um but f- screw conti- continuity issues for west craven he was just like literally have your hair however you want however you fancy it that day i've got some pigtails going on here yeah get involved whack them in that was good um <laughs> whack them so in. we see we see the we see these things we see these characters hear them introduced on the radio then we very quickly see them in this house where they have the frog conversation and yeah. then it's like a crack a den little... or something, isn't it? What is it? Yeah. What would you say it was? They're like in a crack den, but they've they've got in a bit of trouble. They they know they have to move on quickly because they're basically headline news. The police are looking for them. I think yeah. was it unintentional that they that they killed as many people in their escape as they thought? Because now everyone is definitely after them. Yeah, it seems um, like they've definitely got to move on, haven't they? Yeah. So when they were describing when they were kind of the police were sorry the news were kind of describing all these people as they were being introduced to us in the in the crack den slash whatever. Um, and when they described Fred Weasel Podowski, they described him as a child molester. Peep, what they said, like peeping, they said a really weird word, like peeping Tomer. (laughs) What do they say? Yeah, it's like a combination of all these, all these crimes. And they burst that little kiddie's balloon as they go past. Oh, yeah. Well, he was holding it. Yeah, they burst a little kiddie's balloon. But I like it. I mean, this guy, they listed his things like child molester. Peeping Tom, and also he's done a few murders as well. <laughs> Hang on a minute, you're burying the lead a bit there. Um, but yeah, they're they're all, you know, they're, they're put across as pretty serious criminals, and then they 
in a conversation with Sadie, which like is, I ain't putting out no more until you get some more women around here, and they send out Junior to basically lure. Yeah, so these she says that in. they want equal representation in their little gang of psychopaths. Um, and yeah, so that's when he goes out and basically. What does he do? Does he like overhear them saying they want to get they want to get some drugs? I think they've decided they they want some because they've they've had a lovely time having an ice cream and they've tried all the flavors. There's a lot of ice cream flavors at that place. And he goes, oh, I she don't. Was want so fu- she was so fussy. One of them. She was like, "What's that? Mint chocolate chip? Oh no, not having uh, that one. Lem- lemon lemon sherbet." And she went, "Oh no, I can't try that." But what'd she go for in the end? Vanilla. I don't remember what she goes for in the end. And then she just doesn't want mint mint chocolate. She's, oh, give us a taste of yours. She goes. Disgusting! It sort of tastes like brushing my teeth. Yeah, I mean, all those flavors of ice cream are the only, the only uh, Colombian I need. Colombian vanilla, delicious, yum. <laughs> Colombian vanilla. I really want some Colombian marijuana. I may just be, you know, sounding like an absolute idiot by saying, but if somebody said to me, "I got some pri, I got some high-rated Colombian in my hotel room," I'd think they meant cocaine. Uh, Maybe think... that's just lovely, me. Lovely, as a... lovely, lovely cup of coffee. Lovely <laughs> roast. Oh, yum. Maybe that's just me. I'm not. I'm not street smart enough. You know, I'll be like, "What's that? Oh yeah. What have you got? Like, uh, what is it? Ground already? Is it ground? Yeah, of course it's ground already. Are there oh, any filters? Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Straight in the cup. Straight in the cup. Jesus. Hell, yeah, like water. <laughs> laughing. Um, what kind of milk? What kind of milk do you want with it? All of it. Oh, I've got back at the back at the crack den. I mean coffee shop I've got, um, <laughs> I've got oat milk crack, almond milk pea milk crack, whatever den. You want. crack den is a very silly nickname we've got for the coffee shop because you know clientele because we because we, we crack the beans ever so well yeah hard. crack the beans crack the beans to get um, the coffee um so so as soon as they get there it's like almost immediately a trap oh yeah because he just turns and locks the door and they go oh shit and then all the people who were nice to them two seconds ago stand up like brandish knives and just say oh yeah he literally now we got you surround the girls in in you know creepy creepy manner um basically insinuating that they're gonna do whatever they want with them essentially and it's not it's not pleasant And and it gets it gets sexual incredibly quickly um yeah, and they they you they're threatening one to coerce the actions of another, um, and it's mm. it's Mar- Mary's friend that gets probably their attention primarily in the first case, right? Um, yeah, and, and there is a little bit of dodgy acting from Sarah Sandra Peabody as Mary Collingwood, especially when it like shows her reaction to some of the horrors that she's seeing. It's it's, it's very like a GCSE drama where she's just like, oh oh no, I don't know where to look. It's yeah. pretty bad, but but yeah, um, if you take if you take away from that scene as that like it was with me, maybe I'm getting not getting the point, but still it was pretty well, gruesome. We we cut reasonably like it's it's minor compared to the things that we endure later on. It, mm-hmm. it cuts away, and again, this is where I get kind of the there's a, there's a whole side story that that goes along with this, and it feels very similar to you know this like the. The Roger Moore era James Bond, where there's like a yeah upon sheriff that's like always being thrown out by James Bond's antics. We have uh, at this point, um, Mary is late coming home, and the parents phone the police and they you know give the standard oh you have not been missing for that long, as of yeah uh, as, as it, of it, as of yet. 
they were su- preparing a surprise birthday party for her yes. as well, weren't they? they were um, and obviously they say it's not it's not like her to do this sort of thing. And I can't remember if it was this was it this one or was it the remake where they kind of go like, oh, this is a girl's way of saying I'm grown up now. And um, yeah, I think it, it kind of covers into it in both ones. They are planning a surprise birthday party for her, and there's something that shows that they're yeah. quite a nice family all together. They do phone the police after a certain couple of visits. So the, the the main difference with the the remake um to do with the gang is that he's being transported somewhere by police and then they crash into the car like the dad there's like a dad character so it's like a dad a son a brother and like a a girlfriend isn't it yeah um, which is slightly different relationships in terms of the way the gang is in this one um Aaron Paul is one of them. He's like the uncle. Aaron... He's like the main baddie's brother in the. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the other guy is what's his what's his flavor? Um, Garrett Dillahunt, who was killed by a tiger in Army of the Dead. Eaten by, and not eaten by a tiger Wright. in this one, which is a shame. It is a shame. It could have been the ultimate trilogy. Um, but yeah, so that's the difference. Is that yeah, they're like that, and the the reason that they end up kidnapping the girls is not because they've gone out to find them. They just <clears throat> the young the younger guy brings them back to the motel to smoke some weed and they just come back and find them and then start having their having their fun um in yeah. that way. Um so yeah on back in the main one so they they phone the police at this point and then this is the other part that really throws me for a loop but then it goes to like this almost shambolic comedic sense where they're sneaking them out of the house the next day these two tied I'm not up... sure if they were li- alive or dead in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like coming down the fire escape, and there's like some plinky plunk. Hey, the coast is clear. Yeah, and it's like like Frank's fancy music. (laughs) Yeah, it was exactly like that. I mean, you shouldn't laugh, but it was like it was ridiculous to the point where you're just like, wait a minute. Like, just imagine if the soundtrack was completely different, just completely different, it would have such a different sort of take. Where, oh my god, they're bringing these girls bound and gagged into the car in broad daylight you know yeah i think it's a lot that you see these cuts that people do on on the socials these days where it's like reimagine this film as a romantic comedy or things like that it's got that like it's such a uh, such a disconnect with what the content of the film is this summer the ragtag group of criminals bite off more than they can chew babies day out um yeah, so they're, they're, they they sneak them out of the house and they go they go on the road and then we kind of get a series, we, we cut back and forth a little bit where the sheriff is getting put upon by the parents to try and take it more seriously and actually go, go looking yeah. for them while essentially we have our two main like victims in the back of a, in the boot of a car while the other guys drive along um, the, the one couple sort of our Old, old Krug, old Krug, he is having <laughs> sex with um with his with his girlfriend just like I, constantly in the back I of the car. I didn't even know they were having sex. So so maybe this is just, I want to say it's my innocent mind, but it's not that innocent to be fair. But I was like for ages, I was like she just oh she's having fun. She's just bouncing up and down on his lap. We. It was only after a while that I realized oh I don't know it. But they actually having sex. But like, the, the, they're literally sitting next to the weasel chatting to him about you caught up on I, you caught up on Bake Off. And you. he is a is a convicted child molester, peeping Tom and murderer. Yeah, and they they just mean... chat, they just chat they're just chatting in the back while 
while they drive while they drive along. I take it based on that, is Junior the one that's set to driving? Yeah, and he's having an absolute. He's all. Is it? <laughs> he's nearly getting to the point of horrible withdrawal, isn't he? Like he's yeah. going to get there fully. But like, well, can you drive? I will, but my belly's aching. Like, fuck. Yeah, Let's do it. So they have this. They have this drive, and there's there's a little bit where, um, Krug and Sadie having sex, and he says something to him that like, puts him off. He's like, I should bloody bloody kill you. Yeah, <laughs> I was in the mood until you said something about Bake Off. And you told me that was your favorite contestant, and I disagree entirely. I, d- I don't know actually whether it put him off or or tipped him over the edge. We know it's never made expressly clear to us. If he's like, "Oh, I tell you what, it's bread week next week," he's like, "Oh, not bread week." Ah. Should but he kill you? You know, the talk talk of a loaf always always <laughs> always fires me up. Um, but yeah, and they kind of just drive to, um. No, wait, they, the car breaks down for us, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, the car breaks down. Is it coincidental? Because in now in in the remake, again, they kind of they kind of address this properly in script, whereby Mary gives the gives the advice, I'll oh, go this way, this is the way you want to go. And yeah. they 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 kind of drive them towards her her home. But is it just coincidental? Because they're in the boot, they can't give them any direction. It's completely right? coincidental, which is kind of kind of crazy like <laughs> it really is crazy isn't it but uh but yeah essentially they just end up there accidentally there's no real rhyme or reason for why they should end up there they just do and that is it's odd and it is a bit strange and sort of off put in in terms of like the way the film goes especially like that you know what i mean i kept expecting like someone would go where is it then Oh, it's just last house on the left. Yeah. That's the title of the film. Oh, where are we where are we gonna hide out? Let's look for somewhere really quiet. I know. Go down this quiet street and we'll we'll take the last house. Last house. On the left. Looks at the screen. But oh, there's none of that. There's none of that. Um they, they um, don't do that. So they they coincidentally break down quite nearby, and then we have like quite an extended and maybe the most brutal part of the scene where basically Things, things escalate. Um, there is another quite visceral rape scene, and we've seen. Now this is where we see that filmmaking, which is that I spoke about earlier. The where it feels like the camera is very much amongst these things that are that are happening, mm. and there's there's threats yeah. between people. They they force Mary's friend to to wet herself in front of them. Like it's it's a really degrading and horrible scene to watch. Yeah, and it feels that they're, they're literally just doing it for kicks. It's like, there's no, like, obviously I know there is an extended sort of like rape scene, but all of this stuff that comes before it doesn't seem to be done as for sexual gratification. It's kind of just to humiliate them both. Yeah. Um, and then they force them to sort of strip off and kiss and perform other sexual acts in front of each other. But I, I can't remember how she chooses to do this, but Phyllis, right at, at a certain moment, distracts the kidnapper. She basically somehow. says, I'm gonna I'm gonna run for it. Then yeah. I'm gonna run for it. You use this moment to escape and you go and get us help. And she does. They leave they leave Junior behind to watch Mary and they and and Phyllis take makes a run for it and quite successfully evades them for a while. I feel like you've just be able to get away from these. First of all, you've got a bloke 
in a suit and what looks like some kind of Cuban heel struggling to like balance on some rocks at some point. <laughs> he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who, I don't know, I feel like you could evade him fairly easily. And even even um, Sadie to a degree. Uh, they seem really far away at some point, but then they managed to catch up to them, catch up to her. Sorry. Uh, and all of this time, Mary is basically trying to convince Junior to let her go by saying, gives him, a new, gives, him, gives him a new name, gives him her necklace. Uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> plot point. He goes, I'll, I'll tell you what, what convinced me in any scenario to do something you want. Just give me a new name. Call me someone else. What should I call you? I'll call you Willow. Should have called him Mr. Toad. <laughs> should have called him Kermit. Yeah. Kermit. Yeah, could, could, yeah. Could, I tell you what, your name's your name's Willow now, and I'm going to give you this necklace because we are Will, friends. Will, wait, Willow, what? Like, uh, uh, what's his a, name? A little magic man. <laughs> little magic. Why have I forgotten his name? The actor, Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. What did I forget his name? I feel like I mentioned him at least every day of my life, so I don't know how I've forgotten his name. Just because he's a great guy, and he's always on that TV show Tenable. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, it's untenable for Junior to help her escape, and he um and he kind of cops it in the end. They, she he does let her leave the place where they're going to, but um, Felicia gets captured. She is um stabbed, uh, and you know, in another scene, and ultimately murdered brutally by the by the killers. Well, um, I'm pretty yeah, so I'm pretty sure she she gets stabbed. That's when that's when she crawls and like collapses by a tree. That's like the iconic sort of poster scene that we get, yeah. and then yeah, again gets stabbed to death, and yeah, because that Krug turns up with a bloody machete. That's the main reason that she can't get away. Um, and then they essentially do the same to Mary. Uh, yeah, they they stab they they first terrify her with their friends with a friend's removed arm. Oh yeah, um, oh see that was yeah that was kind of unexpectedly brutal because i think up until this point there was no like real moments even the stab stabbings kind of felt a bit like off screen well there was a bit where someone was getting stabbed and it was a really weird sound effect (laughs) it was a bit like that was it was that like they hitting strings on the music it was like a musical sting they were doing yeah i think it was a musical sting yeah i think it was it was very strange it kind of again took me really took me out of that moment where um, and they, they're kind of completely out of control. Now they obviously they brutally assault Mary as well. Again, it's all very, um, like I say, in terms of the skill of the filmmaking behind it, yeah. like incredibly well done. You know, look at the the time that this film was made, and this is another. This was one of the things that I was surprised that they didn't soften with the, um, you know, with the with the more modern remake, like. Yeah, it feels more like a film in the modern remake, but not not entirely so. It still does have those raw and rough edges to it. But they, for all the things that they do dial back on on in the remake, um, you know, spoilers for the end, I guess. Mary survive. Mary survives in the in the remake. She's there and is taken to. But there is a moment, obviously, where you feel where you feel like the same thing happens. Where obviously with Mary, they carve their name into. Krug carves his name to her chest. Um, then she like says a prayer, walks into the lake. Yeah, that's kind then... of we get like almost it's almost a somber moment where they kind of leave her to it as well. They allow her to say a prayer over her dead friend after they've done some terrible things to her. 
and all of them there's there's almost a sadness even in the villains like you know there's like an acceptance of what's about to happen and they shoot her in the lake right yeah so they shoot shoot her just like in the head and she just dies in the lake there and in the remake she escapes and you think maybe this is different she's she's swimming away um but when they shoot and and then obviously the character is not Krug the character's name is Aaron Paul yeah the character Oh, the character the character's name is Krug. Sorry, I didn't realize that. Garrett Dillahunt's character is Krug. He like misses a few times. You think, oh, she's gonna get away, but no, she gets shot. However, she does survive, which is different. Whereas Mary in the original does just die, and that's where it's so bleak and like devoid of uh, devoid of hope is the fact that she just just dies. It's like gives up, well, not not gives up. Obviously, like, she is she's murdered. Yeah, well. she is murdered, and then you kind of think, well, where can this film go now? These two main characters have been killed. Um, but the fact is that they parked up directly outside of, of Mary's house. When the police come out as well, they see the car and they kind of go, what do you reckon is going on there? Probably nothing. And they go back to the station. And later on, they real when they get something gets called in about the gang that's escaped from prison, they were driving a Cadillac, it was a Cadillac, like a Cadillac convertible they, green. They spot it. They hear about they the realize, oh, no. and then the... they look. They look, but they literally look at each other like this. Oh no! Why are you? Yeah, it's, 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 it's almost comedic that we have because then they're there. They they then lose access to their car. Does it break down? Or do they lose this the, whole subplot with the police? Is so so strange. This is some others do have them with um, what's his name, Michael Crawford. Vic, yeah, but like, Michael the, Crawford. the guy looks a bit like Vic Reeves. The sheriff does. Yeah. Yeah, he does. But this is the thing. So the car breaks down and he goes, it's because you're out of gas. You big love, you big doo-doo head. It's pretty much like that. And then and there's a lady with a truck truck full of chickens that's too heavy. She goes, I ain't giving you a lift. That's that's 11 crates of chickens I'll have to throw off my car to give you a lift. You ain't worth this, 11 crates of chickens. This whole subplot was strange. Considering really like the police and the events of the police are don't mean anything to to the to the finale of the film. Yeah, they do not turn up until literally the the dying embers of the movie. Yeah, to witness what has happened. Yes. Um. So it's so strange to have these pseudo comedic beats in what is otherwise such a brutal film. But mm. Krug and the gang basically turn up at um, <laughs> Krug and the gang turn up at like... Mary's parents' house, who we saw earlier on. Um, yeah, but this is the thing they don't know. Obviously, the parents don't know, but the gang don't know at this moment that that they're at Mary's house because, in terms of what are the chances, it's pretty much zero. Um, but still, it happens anyway. So they change out of their bloody clothes. They have a little wash in the river, little little creek wash, which is lovely. No matter what happens to that, you're as clean as clean as can be. Clean as a whistle, um, sharp as a thistle. These guys, and they are. They go to the house and they masquerade as traveling salesmen whose car's broke whose car has broken down. Your car's been broken down outside my house for the last eight hours. Yeah, I know. It's bad, isn't it? We're waiting for the AA. I was trying to mend it at first, then I realized I wasn't a mechanic. So um there's that. Doesn't one of them say as well, like one of them's looking at the car, and then Krug says, I could have fixed I used to be able to fix a car in two minutes flat. Well, no matter what the problem was, like, well, fix it then. Yeah, I, I could use. I used to be able to do that. Can't anymore. Really big cars. bollocks. He's like I've been in prison, so modern cars these days, you know, completely. Don't know what's going on. Uh, so yeah, they masquerade as traveling salesmen, but you know, they say they're in insurance, insurance slash, for plumbers, insurance for plumbers, right? And it's a family business, okay. 
But it seems like Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Collingwood are the most. I mean, this is the thing. You could leave your door open back in the back in the sixties slash early seventies. You could yeah. leave your door unlocked. Don't matter. Didn't no need for burglar alarms. No need for the, the CCTV. Krugs would, the Krugs would turn up. No, if you turn up, you just go. Yeah, it's fine. You could stay. We got a room. Uh, what? How many of you are there? Four. That's right. We got a double bed. Use the daughter's room because she is away. I guess. Um, yeah. that's sorry. That's the remake where they go. Oh, you could could use her room, I suppose. So in so in the in the remake, it's more like they've got like a a, dip, an, like a an pool outhouse. house, not an outhouse. That's a toilet. I mean, like a like a little poop. like a little granny flat, a little annex, <laughs> little granny flat, the annex from Night of the Creeps. Uh, that's where the the, the... <laughs> um yeah. So they've essentially got that. And it doesn't take long for them to kind of. I think they have some dinner, have a chat. Um, the dad is junior is, open. yeah, he's a doctor and he's a you know he's quite talkative. They're they're keen to help them, and it's like oh well, yeah. tell you what, when my daughter gets back with the car, we'll give you we'll give you a lift in. Yeah, and in the remake, it's mostly the same, um, except they kind of say that they've been attacked, uh, and that is when Aaron Paul's character has got like a broken nose, which the doctor is kind of fixing up. In a pretty brutal and painful way, we watched the gruesomely whole resetting his nose, right? Gruesomely resetting his nose, yeah. Um, and essentially the same thing happens. They got offered to stay there, and it's only Junior, who in the remake is called Justin, who realizes that they're at Mary's house because he sees the picture of her on the fridge. Yeah. And in the original, they just see the photo in her bedroom, possibly. The photo in the bedroom, where they comment yeah. on it. Um, yeah. But in both cases, it's the necklace that will eventually give them away, right? Yeah, it's the necklace that does it. So Junior in the original is having a heroin withdrawal um, wretch in the bathroom. Estelle hears, gets up, goes and checks on him. Are you okay? You sound like you sound like shit. Are you all right? Um, and then notices that he's got the necklace on. In the remake, the necklace just gets sort of like left on the kitchen side yeah you kind of mary, mary, down, mary lives and obviously comes back to the house to t- try and uh imagine that turn just just been tortured and pretty much murdered so she'd been shot but it went in her back didn't it it's like uh yeah because i thought uh, from from that i thought it, i thought it hit her in the head but i think just because she was like lying flat you couldn't really see yeah where i went. mean this is another thing where the remake does a little work into avoiding a contrivance i think the the necklace which is like the peace symbol from the original you might think so oh i gave my daughter one just like that today but it's not an uncommon you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility just that oh my daughter's got one like that yeah um whereas in the remake it's do we ever get express clarification as to what happened to the had he died to who sir to the brother, the the, the department. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, and he has like a there's a but basically it's a very specific necklace which is from the brother mm-hmm. who we only see pictures of saying you know with some kind of message. So it is a very personal family item that it wouldn't be possible yeah. to be another version of. Whereas in this one, it's just the familiarity of the symbol and that kind of helps them put it together. And then everyone turns in for the night. Um, I think we're left fairly tense as to whether something unpleasant is going to happen and the criminals are planning to attack, rob, do whatever to the, the parents at some point anyway, because they are violent, unstable criminals. Yeah. Um, but they they go out and they find their daughter's body. 
Yeah. So she's obviously. Yeah. This, this is this was weird. I was kind of a bit confused by this bit because like. I don't know. It kind of felt like a bit nuts. Just like oh, she might be out there somewhere dead, and they just go running around in their knitwear and uh, and uh, turtleneck. This is the we are talking about the original, right? The original, like Mister and yeah. Mrs. Wogan go out and they find Mister and Mrs. Wogan. They yeah. they go out and they find their daughter. Yeah, you know, they have a you know the obviously the anguish of these parents and the 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 mother is saying, oh, is there mm-hmm. is there anything you can do for her? And the the dad, as we've established in both versions, is a doctor says like no um she's she's dead there's nothing i can do what's kind of weird is that like these are quite well to do sort of rich to a degree folk um i don't know i didn't know if i fully believed that they were capable of of i don't know just straight up murdering the people who had killed their daughter but are we supposed to believe that like that's what grief does like not even grief it's like grief and anger isn't it this is the skill of the filmmaking like because i think without this part it could be without this change of pace and without this this flipping of what happens certainly my first i'd seen the remake before i'd never seen the original but i think watching it at first you could think if it if it didn't carry on if it didn't make a change it could be very easily argued that it's a film made in in incredibly bad tastes incredibly unpleasant to watch in a lot of places yeah, it's very nice how you, as an audience member, not very nice. Nothing nice about it, but the the levels of violence that we see across the board are fairly consistent um, from from both sides. There isn't a sexual angle from the revenge of the parents, but you are seeing similar levels of violence being portrayed for very different yeah. reasons. There's not a sexual angle could... from the parents, but there's a suggestion of, of of something that could be sexual. Yeah, but there's when we when we see it's kind of using their own their own angles against them these but you see same similar levels of violence and the the people who've been portraying this violence in the early half of the movie by the end do become victims of it victims of violence that will ultimately kill all of them yeah. um, and it makes for an interesting thing to think about as an audience member where you are going from being appalled by the people that are, that are acting out these violent acts to actually seeing them get their their comeuppance right then seeing yeah. them seeing them fall victim to the yeah. anger and the the upset of these parents as they so, as they go yeah. through it so so in the remake mary survives she manages to get back to her house crawling out of the lake essentially um near death um and her parents find her and obviously because her dad's a doctor he manages to First, administer CPR so that she coughs up some of the water in her lungs and also get the bullet out of her back and then drain some of the fluid out of her lungs as well. I think like they, they basically stop the bleeding and drain. So I'm not sure he fishes for a bullet because um, he says even... I ain't fishing uh, for okay. a Yeah, he does bullet. say that. You're right. It's because um, he got a knife after that that I thought maybe he was doing that. He's basically know. able to stabilise her so she's not at imminent risk of death and then they can, because the car is nowhere to be found because, again, the daughter has yeah. taken the car they um his where's plan the is that he will Where, where's the car they're going to take it by uh, boat right yeah so they're going to take it by boat uh and one of the things is they can't find the boat keys as well that's, that's another thing yeah but yeah in the remake i fe- felt like they were far more capable of exacting this revenge i don't know why like just i don't know something about them even though sure they're a bit well to do and they're and they're rich as well but i don't know i kind of felt that anger immediately which kind of made me feel like yeah. okay they understand what needs to be done 
feel like with the with the um with the remake, their positioning and their actions are partially driven by the fact their daughter is still alive and it's a desperate attempt for survival here. Whereas I feel like the yeah. plan in the original is I'm gonna kill these guys. Okay. But why <laughs> why what was with the haphazard Home Alone style trap sequences that they decided to do in the in the original, which proved to just mildly inconvenience whoever comes across these traps for like two seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel what? I feel like this is something that Wes Craven clearly wanted to do because he would go on to do it in a more deadly way when Nancy sets the traps for Freddy in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I feel like this is something that I don't know. Maybe Wes Craven was a big like. You know, he's the original Kevin McAllister. Maybe Wes Craven, used to, you know, we hear the stories of yep. a partial inspiration for Freddy Krueger being like a homeless man who prowled around Wes Craven's childhood house that scared him and his <laughs> yeah. brother when they were when they were a kid. Maybe this is also leaning into some of his actions when it maybe used to build like traps yeah. and things like that because we see the 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 criminals are by and large asleep and they basically put a plan into action so the dad is putting trip wires down and squirting shaving foam on the floor and electrocuting <laughs> a carpet and just not- shaving foam he didn't even fall over the guy when he ran across it he kind of just like slipped for a second then it was like yeah then it was uh what? Then, it was over, then it was over the trip wire the trip wire yeah. um the the, <laughs> the 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 mom she goes out and um goes with a completely different angle to kick it all off so the the our main guy the weasel he's coming out there with his his full suit on he hasn't got any jammies he's just out in his full suit going yeah he's got, <laughs> he's got his stogie on again and he's and he's going oh I um I actually was um just up late what's going on and the 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 mom thinks right. I think their daughter's body is on the sofa and they can't let him see it. So she plays yeah. it and basically to distract him because oh, I'll tell you what, my husband is scared of having sex with me, um, which is a shame. Is oh, I'll tell you what, I'd be I'd be so keen on it that I would have sex with you with my hands tied behind my back. And she goes, <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll laugh at him. It's really ridiculous. We could we could do that if you like. Um He's a real, he's a real boaster. He's like, I got Imagine. Jake in between his energy. He's like, I come yes. five or six times. My hands tied behind my back. I could come five or six times. My hands would be tied behind my back. You could tie my legs together if you want. Uh, you could blindfold me. You can hang me upside down from the ceiling. I will still give you the night of your life. That's basically yeah. his attitude. And she tempts him outside while the dad is setting the traps. She goes, oh, we might come back in here as if we go to the bedroom. Come outside. Use your tie. It's, it, it's essential that that character wore a suit all the time, so he would have a tie on. Yeah, that was the only reason. Exactly. Um, um, it does seem like so she starts performing fellatio upon him, but it seems like they're properly she does dishing out a gobby to this bad this bad. She's dishing, bloke. Out, she's dishing out a gobby to this bad bloke. But it seems like for at least five or six seconds, she's committing to making it believable. I guess she needs to, from a scientific point of view, Ben, She what she needs to do is get the blood flow absolutely pumping there to make sure that he definitely bleeds out when she when she bites his dick off. She doesn't just bite his dick. She, like, bites his dick and then, like, a dog. Like, sort of, like, um... Be ever so, be ever so, grisly, be ever so grisly, Ben. You're really going to need to 
tear that sinew. Incredibly gristly, it seems. Um, and she, when he's <laughs> once he's got his hands tied behind his back, she, you know, she gets a little bit. Oh, got it in the zip on <laughs> accidentally on purpose. And she goes, oh, the poor, the poor little fella. And he goes, not little, just. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> she does say that. She goes. Negative. Poor little baby, tiny, pathetic little gets bigger. Honestly, you wait. Tie my hands behind my back. You've just you've just scared him with with that zip with that zip bit. All right, I'll come back to normal. But yeah, this is how. And I told you, I looked at the timing. This is less than twenty minutes left of the film at this point. Um, do we see anything else happen to the weasel, or does just no, get his dick bit off? C- he just C- collapses. C- he just collapses and leaves him to bleed him to death. It says here it bites off his penis and swallows it like what Happy, that's, that's incredible unnecessary first of all but also an incredible feat to do that um but you know never know um so yeah and in the house is where john like basically he's got he sets all these silly traps even though he's got a shotgun i feel like just walk up to them in bed and blast them away but no um how, how does he kill? How does he kill Sadie? Oh no, wait, sorry, Sadie doesn't die yet. Um, so basically, Krug runs into the shaven firm initially, falls over, incapacitated for two seconds, trips over the trip wire, incapacitated for three seconds. Then, and then the traps have run out of plans. So he just does a fist fight with him, and he punches him twice. He goes, "Oh, go and give you a free one. Give you a free one." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and then. <laughs> Glass jewel. And then, and then when he picks up the poker, he goes, "Actually, I'm not going to give you a free one on that. I'm going to fight you." Um, and then he he fights him. Junior comes and interrupts the fight yeah. um, because Krug had enough of you. I'm gonna bloody shoot you, but he tells him <laughs> off enough till he shoots himself. So Junior yeah. dies here. It's, tells it's pretty harsh, isn't it? It's just go like on. shoot yourself go on. in the head instead. Shoot yourself in the head, you bastard. And that's when John goes downstairs and comes back upstairs with a chainsaw. The Terry Wogan's chainsaw. Terry Wogan's chainsaw. To be fair, but he's not particularly terrifying with his chainsaw he's a bit like and also crew keeps getting wooden furniture and holding <laughs> he, it up which he commits it, to cutting through of all, every of time all, all the losses that of all the losses that dr wogan has had in this in this film all of his furniture is also destroyed because crew blocks with every single piece he can find he go i could just not cut through it i could just cut your legs go underneath and around walk no, around just, and cut you in the head Chop, I'm gonna chop through all of these. So yeah, um basically Junior's interference gives because for a while um Terry Rogan has been defeated, but it allows him to recover and go and get the chainsaw from downstairs. Yeah. So that's that's what that's what's happening. Those two are dueling with that. Sadie goes outside and basically gets into a fight with um with Cynthia. Sorry, Estelle. Cynthia is the actor's name. Estelle, yeah. Um, so Cynthia, um, sorry, Estelle, get a grip. <laughs> um, so Estelle fights with um, fights with Sadie, and they they roll, and she stabs her, kicks her into the pool, and then as she's trying to get back Flips out, her throat, she the throat. At this point, yeah. the police. Now, this is literally yep. this, there are two minutes left of this movie, and the police now arrive. Can we just talk about the electrocution booby trap thing? Because he soaked the like the like a mat like a, a rug in water. And then put, put a wire against it. <laughs> and then he actually like he tried to open the door and he got electrocuted like and fell over backwards. And again, how long did that incapacitate him for? Yeah, exactly. More of him alone. How long did that incapacitate him for? Um seconds. 
At least, at least I get home alone. They're incapacitated, for, so Kevin can like r- run away from that particular place to the it next place. It feels like in this one, it would be a bit like you know, you touch the thing and the fuse is going like oh, and then like you straight in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, like for however long, so it took him, I reckon, about half an hour to set up all his traps, and in total, it incapacitated crew for probably nine seconds. Um, yeah, I, I feel like again, had this been. They didn't necessarily. I think Wes Craven would probably love to kill to have killed several of the baddies with these things. They just didn't have a big enough gang to do it. So why you had to use this idea again in Nightmare on Elm Street, where you have a, <laughs> I guess a semi indestructible baddie like in Freddy Krueger, and then you can have the light bulbs explode and genuinely a trap whereby when you open the door, a sledgehammer will swing down and smack <laughs> you in the chest. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think he wanted to pull off this idea again. Um, yeah, but but yeah, and throughout this, the 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 outcome is slightly different in the remake. In which case, we see the the couple basically double team um, the 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 brother. Um, the so the, yeah, I mean this is, this is slightly is more brutal, isn't it? So obviously, yeah. she does the mother does try to kind of like seduce him in a way. Oh, do you want to have a drink of wine with me? Yeah, but then he walks in and sees. Um, her he sees Mary, um, on like she's obviously alive, and he sees that she's alive. He's like, "What the fuck?" But yeah, they double team him. They smash his face smash, in with a hammer. Smash, smash his face in. Uh, smash a bottle across his head. Then they force his hand into the waste disposal thing. Brown him slightly is... in the sink, but brown most... him a little bit in the sink. Yeah, but mostly uh, just hammer oh, yeah. him to death. The nose that they fixed. Fuck that back up. I'll have that back. Yeah. Um. And it, but it's kind of realistic, like the way his hand looked. I, kept, I thought he was going to pull yeah. out a stump, but it just looked m- proper mangled. Uh, and they, yeah, a hammer in the head, and then they go to the, to where um, Krug and Sadie are asleep. This is the remake, obviously, and that's when Justin gives them the gun. Justin gives uh, them the gun. They shoot. They shoot Sadie in the neck, and she is bleeding out. And then they finish, and then the. And then they finish her off in the bathroom. They basically yeah, throw her against the wall and shoot despite, her in the head. But despite the fact she's been shot in the neck or like in the sort of just wherever in the shoulder, she puts up a good fight against against both Justin and uh, the dad. But yeah, she gets shot in the face by the mum. And then, yeah, it's a final battle in the house with Krug versus the dad, which, you know, goes on. And again, Justin gets involved and kind of provides a distraction. But they all they, essentially team up to knock him out, don't they? Team up and knock him out, and then he is left alive while they go to the hospital. But the the dad performs some surgery to effectively paralyze him, so he can't yeah. so he can't escape again. This is when they they take their revenge to the extreme. They pause while they can take their daughter to the to the hospital in this case. But in the original movie, this is basically where we have our ending, where Krug mm. is chainsawed. By um by the father Terry Wogan, the police uh, witness that they walk in just at the, just at the moment that Terry Wogan chainsaws someone to death. They walk in and go, oh, don't bother. And he goes, I ain't stopping now. I've come this far. Yeah, look um, at my they, furniture. And they um he saws them up, and then the deputy just comes and takes the chainsaw off them, and the film then goes into a again a bizarre whiplash with some lovely cheery banjo music, which I think listening back. <laughs> Might have been made specifically for the film because it describes some of the actions in the film. <laughs> oh, does it? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um. 
He got yeah. chainsawed. He chainsawed all his furniture to death. Um, it's it's that one where Terry Wogan. Sorry. In the remake, we see them going with across the water in the speedboat to take their daughter to hospital, and then we appear in a in a later scene, um, where they where they they've got his head in the faulty micro Chekhov's faulty microwave that we saw Chekhov's earlier. Chekhov's faulty film. microwave, yeah, which which works even as the doors open. Uh, but the fault is safety that's catches what the fault is. But yeah, they put his head in the microwave. And to be fair, explodes fairly quickly. As Ed, he's only been on for thirty seconds. We don't Even know. What, on... we don't know what power that might. Maybe it's a maybe it's a twelve thousand watt. <laughs> but yeah, it explodes his head. Revenge done. He was paralyzed from the neck down, so he couldn't escape. Uh, yeah, and that's the yeah, end no. of. Yeah. There's some there's some brutal moments in this film. We skipped over some of the most brutal bits. There's even a bit where the weasel has a nightmare about before the family actually do anything about them chiseling his teeth out. Oh yeah, and they're like, I thought that, I didn't think that was a. I yeah, I thought I thought they got him. I thought they'd got him. They gone right. That's it, you weasel. We've put our doctor's gear on, and now we're gonna mug you off. So the end of the original is kind of like it just ends on like a horrible note, really, which is like, sure, we've exacted revenge, but our daughter's still dead. And now we're probably going to be prosecuted as well. Or maybe self-defense, who knows. But pretty shit. And then the remake ends on a, not a good note, but, you know, a slightly more hopeful note, which is that Mary's alive. She's going to be all right. The revenge has been um, exacted. And the police haven't really been involved. So they could just say, oh, those guys were mad. He microwaved his own head, actually. insisted upon it. He insisted upon it. He loved it. He loved it. Enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, so that's that for both of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, feel strange to make light of it, but you got any name game for us, Ben? I mean, it does feel strange to make light of it, but we will only make light of the title of the this title movie. Of the film. That's right. By diving into a bit of name game. Have you got some? I got a couple for you, Ben. Um, okay. Here's one. A. Um, a speedy. Need- a speedy rodent. Um, a speedy rodent is able to save himself from a bunch of escaped convicts by running across the horizon of a bum. <laughs> what? Is it horizon of a bum? Yeah. A speedy rodent. A mouse? The fast mouse? Yeah. On the... Is it a cleft? Yeah, the fast mouse <laughs> on the cleft. Very good. Six hours didn't do cleft, but I can only think of cleft palate. And I thought, don't want to make light of anyone's uh, physical ailments in terms of for, for a name based, a rhyming based horror. No, absolutely. No, game. Never. I wouldn't in a million years. Okay. Uh, I got one. Go on then. So, what is it? Um, a gang unknowingly find refuge at a vacation home belonging to the parents of one of the victims. It's not in it's not in America. This one. It's not set in America. It's uh, it's set in Germany. Okay. Um. Das Das House. Spell H A U S. Only one word, and it is H A U S. Last house on the left, spelled H A U S. Ah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Do I remember the word for what? left in German? No. Yeah. I know. Poor effort from me, but I couldn't help it. Um, so, um, Tony Robinson, um, 
manages to escape from 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 a bunch of deranged escaped oh, serial killers by yeah. um excavating the uh the ruins of a of a property from days of yore uh oh, what's that show called is it it's based on the, the show, show. it's just it's just about the the era of time i guess that he's found a house on the left hand side uh last is it last no it's not last that's the only one i changed so tony robinson past house on yes. the left past house yes. on the left got it okay i got one for you got him um creepy gang of psychopaths they walk into uh, a museum and this museum is based on this <laughs> this museum has got loads of um, exhibitions based on famous people from a certain city in the UK Okay. Uh, and some of these things has got the Beatles, we've got Scylla Black, there's Wayne Rooney there's Mel C from the Spice Girls and then they go I preferred the exhibition based on the last one of these people on the left. Hang on, so, so the, it's a UK-based one. If, if I just say the UK-based city, you're going to know it. However, I've given you the names of famous people from the city. The Beatles, uh, Cilla Black, Wayne Rooney, Melanie, Melanie C., from Spice Girls. <laughs> I'm stuck, but Liverpool doesn't sound anything like last. No, it doesn't. But if you're from Liverpool and you're the last what on the left? Oh, the last Scouse on the left. Thank Oh, Very good. Very good. I would have been on that for a while. <laughs> I, I wanted to say Liverpool. I felt like it'd be too, uh, too easy. Yeah. Um, so um, let me tell you then uh, about a film that is about the um a tall wooden structure on a uh on a ship retires from its nautical life and uh buys a buys a house mast house on the left mast house on the left very good fantastic we've changed different words on this okay um a gang of psychopaths decide that their victims this time aren't going to be uh, innocent young women, but they are going to be medium to large game birds with plump bodies and feathered legs, the male being larger and more brightly coloured than the female. So game birds... Ah, last grouse on the left. <laughs> last grouse on the left, correct. Yeah, Um. and the final one I have um... <laughs> a a an animated rodent voiced by Reggie Yates decides he's going to vote Labour. Oh, so it's Rastamouse on the left. Rastamouse on the left. Very good. <laughs> wow. There we go. Uh, okay. So now we've got to rate this film. Um, again, probably going to be a bit, a bit of a difficult one, but I guess if we try and rate. Um, both of them as well. Did you want to jump in at all? Go on then. I'm going to go for it. Um, I think typically I, I tend to vote based on how much I enjoy a movie versus its quality um, necessarily in terms of its filmmaking. This is why 
you know, you'll see very high reviews from me from the likes of, you know, you know, the chopping malls and the and the sleepaway mm-hmm. camps of the world. I'm gonna try and find a mixed thing in this one because I think in either sense, more so the original. Is this an enjoyable watch? Is it something I would recommend to a lot of people? I think I'd have a, a hard time recommending it to a general audience because they'd probably think less of me for it because it is a deeply unsettling, <laughs> it's a deeply unsettling film in several in several areas. There is a lot of stuff that I think at the time and even more so maybe with modern sensibilities, it is a, a film which I think would be very triggering to watch for a lot of people. It's quite a, har- yeah. it's quite a harrowing watch. And it isn't necessarily a a fun horror watch, but as I've said several times in in today's episode, I think it's incredibly um, incredibly skillfully made because that discomfort that it can cause is is you know it, it's it's very well done. So based on that, I think I'm going to give this a I'm going to give this one a. C plus balancing out how I would normally rate, but recognizing that it is by no means a, a bad film. It's a good, well-made film. I'm going to go that, C plus. Is that, that the or, the original? Yeah, the original. Um, remake wise, um, I'm going to. You know, what? I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it consistent. Actually, I'm going to give it C plus for both because it's differently made. Like the, there are modern sensibilities. There are some changes to it. Actually, no. Forget that. I'm going to downgrade ever so slightly to a C because I think it keeps some of the, I think it keeps some of the discomfort, an awful lot of the discomfort. It has some modern filmmaking sensibilities that that change it. I was surprised by some of the things they kept out, like they softened the drug use of that character and mm-hmm. and almost tried to redeem that one, which I think is a little bit of a cop out in some places. Um, yeah. And again, the the balance on the 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 daughter surviving never going to be a problem to see someone survive but i think it does take away some of the the bleak messaging of the film so i'll i'll rate that one slightly lower at a c but actually it's a very competently made remake um yeah not something yeah. i necessarily recommend to people but i think especially in the original cases phenomenally well made by a really notable filmmaker that has a really good style about it so not a comfortable yeah. watch but still part of a good horror balanced diet i would say yeah how about you i I think i think i agree with you mostly i think that it's difficult to say that like you enjoy a film or it's difficult to say that you'd recommend it because it is just a difficult sort of watch but i can kind of see how it's influenced stuff that's come after it as i said it reminded me in a way of those rob zombie movies where it seemed like the the actions caused by the antagonist were kind of just to get their kicks and nothing else like in terms of plot they've just you know, being horrible, um, horrible bastards, which is kind of what's happening here. And yeah, it's kind of the only thing for me, the music did really kind of take me out of it and it made it seem really dated. Um, It is harrowing, but I don't know. I felt like that finale in the, see for me, the finale in the remake, like made everything come together nicely. And I felt satisfied by the conclusion. Mm. Whereas in the original, I kind of just felt the conclusion was a bit silly a bit some others do have them. A bit. <laughs> oh. <weird> to... <laughs> if if you're not aware of that, um, if you're not a UK listener, you know it's a very British, very, like seventies sitcom where where the main character is like a bit of a klutz, um, and kind of gets everything wrong, and he's a bit silly and a bit childlike, 
And it kind of did remind me of that. It's a bit like the traps were kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Like just go in and blast him. You got a shotgun. Um, so yeah, I think maybe the first two thirds of that. I'm not saying it's enjoyable, but like it did really make me think I was watching something that was. Um, I could understand the legacy attached to it from someone like Wes Craven as well. Went on to obviously direct The Hills Have Eyes, Nightmare on Elm, Nightmare on Elm Street, and obviously eventually Scream as well. Um, but yeah, that finale kind of just, yeah, not so much for me. So in a way, I was a bit like, okay, kind of preferring, I would say the original is probably more competently made as a, as a film up until that finale. And I felt like the remake takes that finale and takes it into those torture porn gruesome gore um stages of, of modern filmmaking that we're more familiar with and in that way it kind of felt more satisfying so i think i'm going to go to a flip reverse to you is i'm going to give the original a c and i'm going to give the remake a c plus um but yeah i think having the main characters survive at the end of the remake does a lot for me as well because the original is very bleak and yeah there's there's no hope and yeah it's like, why am I even alive? What's the point of living? Whereas the remake, you're like, oh, well, she's going to be living with PTSD for the rest of her life, but, you know. It's a lie. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I'm interested. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that we uh, covered it. And obviously, absolutely, we talk about tonal whiplash. Think of the clown japes that we've had in the um, in last yeah, week's yeah. episode. As, as much as the music would indicate that perhaps you would. But... Um, but yeah, it was an interesting watch. I I'm glad that we, I'm glad yeah, that we've done it. We've done it. That's another one off the list. So, um, okay, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to our current patrons who include John Crinnan, Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Laura Kendrick, Toby Miller, Lane Spencer, Ollie Child, Leslie Carlo, Julia Bilgren, Nick Spill, Troy Bursch, and Pazuzu. Of course, cannot forget Pazuzu. Thanks, everybody. Um, thanks, everybody. Thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating, a review, and head over to the Facebook group, Horror Hangout Board of Advisors, to interact with us there. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok. Just search Horror Hangout Podcast on any of those platforms. I'm sure you'll find us. Um, next week, we are, obviously, as we mentioned at the start of the show, we flip some the order of some... Um, episodes around so next week we're doing tetsuo the iron man uh with amber from horn blood fire so that should be fun looking forward to it tonal whiplash all over the place i think killer clowns into last house on the left into tetsuo the iron man yeah never seen tetsuo the iron man i have me neither limited understanding of what i'm what i'm expecting this this coming week so yeah, yeah. looking forward to it maybe, maybe wear it. like a airplane pillow to protect your neck from all that tonal whiplash yeah, and then Ben and I were talking. We won't reveal just yet, but we've got some fun plans to round out the year yet as well. Oh my god, yeah, I can't believe it's the end of another year on Horror Hangout. So yeah, we've got some plans for some Christmas, New Year specials, um, as well as a couple of other episodes. So yeah. I mean we can probably say it's inevitable we'll do some kind of end of the year roundup as well. We better start thinking about our categories. Yeah, I don't know if we I have to remind myself, don't we usually do that? in january first yeah, episode like of january maybe first episode of january but we'll start thinking about it I tell you what guys give you plenty of notice start thinking your categories if you've got as a category that you want us to list if you've got some recommendations we're gonna we're gonna in the coming weeks it's gonna come up faster than you think you're gonna be getting the trees up and then your old mates ben and andy maybe luke will be around as well at some point 
we'll be asking you the questions. What was your film of the year? And if you don't want to get really caught with your pants down, start thinking about it now so you can give us an answer. Quick sticks. Don't get caught with your pants down. That's the last thing I could uh, offer to you. Don't get caught with your pants down. Yeah, please don't if you could. But for now, thanks very much for listening and uh, we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye for now, everybody. And bye to you, Ben. Goodbye. Thanks for being a right horror horror dude. Forgot to say that. Synchronize. We got it. Synchronized. Bye for now. All the best. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.